Hey, are we starting? Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and go we'll get started. All right. You ready, Michael? Always. Okay. Do the shit. Me too. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Pastors Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and the new Batman trailer. Dude, our past all fucking day long. My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Matt Polly. I'd hit it. Michael Moncton. Yo. Triumphant return. Together we are the Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> it's been four weeks. It's been <laughs> it is. too long. It's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, announcements. We are giving away a copy of White Lies, Nine Ways to Expose and Resist the Racial Systems that Divide Us by Daniel Hill. Go to twitter.com slash podcast. Um, you're going to like this interview. Yeah, you're going to love it. It's good. really good stuff. Um, also, another announcement. Michael Moncton wrote some music for Here's the Thing, Dick. Yeah, I meant to put it on my did. soundboard. Yes, he did. And I forgot, I forgot was, to put it on my soundboard. You don't have it in like a file somewhere? Um, let me, Didn't you send us in a message? I, no. Let, give me a second here. Let me pull it up. Let me find. Let me search my email. Oh, my Moncton. God. Let's play some sound clips. Let's find out. All right, here we go. Uh, oh, sorry. That's very ghastly. <laughs> oh. No? That was not what? me. I just downloaded it like eight times. It's not on my on my computer a bunch of times. Hold on. Here it is. Yeah, baby. You watch it to catch a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I had so much fun writing this man. It was so much fun. I like it. That fits well. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, we could use it for... No, but it sets it apart from... From her- the airing, airing of Dick, Dick Pounder's Pounder Grief. Because here's the thing, Dick, is the is the sequel series, <laughs> the response, response series... my response to the Dick Pounder To yeah. the airing of Dick Which Pounder's I, Grief. Which I thoroughly enjoy writing. So, I write them all at work, pretty yeah. much, when I'm slow. Like, I, yeah, I write them all. Yeah. So, well, I wrote this while I was camping, so... Oh. That's very... That's a real campy vibe. I was bored, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, I like it. Yeah, if you want to, it fits hear, with the vibe of like all of our other music. It like fits the stuff with, that you I wrote. It, I think it's a really good pairing with uh, Dick Pounder, the airing of Dick Pounder's. Grief. It is, especially yeah, especially that beginning part. Mean shitty garage band loops. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Um, are, are you calling the airing of Dick Pounder's grief <laughs> shitty garage band loops? Who do you think you are? <laughs> well, I mean, it is true. But <laughs> it's true. No, I I crafted that with my bare hands. Uh huh. Okay. Pro logic. All right. Yeah, it's so, one step above. So the expensive garage, garage just expensive yeah. garage band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So get in the patreon.com slash Pesters podcast to uh, to to get all clear. kinds of content coming all out right now. Bonus content. I'm doing Hot a turd content. talk tomorrow. Are you? Ooh, yeah, I got who is one lined nice. up. I don't want to. Spoiler. Oh come on! You never know. It's top secret. I, I am so thrilled to be able to open up the turd talk season. Yes, it's back. It was a great interview, you man. Your first that episode one. You sh- you all should get on the Patreon account just for Turd Talks, Turd Talks, but his specifically. Oh yeah, yeah. so great. But there are there are plenty, plenty of, of really of good, ones. really yeah. great. Ones, I think so. the first one was what Beck. Yeah, Beck Ray. Yep. So it's Australian, which yeah. is just amazing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's and a fantastic. What number were you? What um twenty. 20- Twenty-three, I think. Yeah, yeah. twenty-three, okay. and then I think we we did another one with Angela, Angela mm-hmm. Dykstra. Yeah, Ella. She's so Ella. awesome. Ella. Ella. Hey, hey, under my Angela, Ella, 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 okay. Ella. Hey, Angie Dick. Hey, <laughs> let me ask you a question. It's a trap. You looking at me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> speaking of umbrella, 
uh, Beyonce or Rihanna? To to do what with? <laughs> Who's the queen? No, not to here? do. I mean, just in. Just with, with, who's the queen? Uh, so you're asking about Rihanna or, or who again? Beyonce. Well, what do you mean who? Okay, so I can't. I cannot stand Rihanna. I can't. Okay, handle, so, I can't so the answer, it's got to be Beyonce. Beyonce. No, 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 I don't like either one of them. Not I'm only. not a fan. What? And you know what? So me and Beyonce have the exact same birthday, September 4th, coming up next fucking Friday. Well, a week from Friday. So Happy birthday. I'm going to forget. Your birthday's only six days away from mine. How did I not know that? I told you that was six times. You knew that? Dude, I fucking invited you. Motherfucker, I don't, I don't for listen. For a birthday party two years ago, you didn't fucking come. I was probably working, so, Michael. Uh-huh. Okay. I was probably working. You were working. I was learning. I'm going on vacation for your birthday this year. <laughs> Fuck you. I'll call you. <laughs> I'm going to um, set a reminder. Hold on. I'll set a reminder. That's a good friend. I'll set Don't a reminder. worry. I'll post something in the Hey, box. Siri. It's not going to matter. Why, S- why are you doing this? Set a reminder to call Michael Moncton on his birthday on September 4th. You know what? Okay. You, your Siri is tired of being abused by you. So, no. so why would it listen to There it to is. You now? It's on there now. Oh, good for you. It's official. Nice. Yeah. Okay. See, All right. You're getting a call, buddy. I don't know. What, where, <laughs> where, I'm going to be where shirtless we? when we do. What's going oh, on? I'm going to FaceTime you shirtless. <laughs> put my phone on silent mode the whole day. Okay, Ugh. so Gross. get in the pub. That's, that's if you want want hot content. Get in the pub. Yes, we gotta keep going. We gotta keep going. Oh, just moving right along, huh? We got man. I got lots of content. It is eight nineteen. We haven't even got to the first. These fucking second. drinks are great. God, they're so good. Aren't they good? Man, they're so good. I love simple cocktails. Right? Something I can throw about three ingredients in and I'm done. It took two seconds to make. It yes. So fucking good. No shaking, no stirring, just pour it in. Well, what are we what are we drinking here? So these are gonna be grapefruits, um, rosemary tonics. Some gay ass cocktails what they are. <laughs> yeah. They're delicious. Uh, my boyfriend Joel <laughs> made these for me and got me explosion kind of drunk in my mouth. The drive in movie and they're oh, fucking yeah. great. What'd you see? So um I forgot it was some horror movie at the drive in movie. Was it a double? No, most we, horror, movie, horror movie, or most drive-ins are double features, aren't well, they? We, yeah, we, we went to Tibbs Drive-In in okay. Indy. I, I forgot okay. what it was called. I was drunk for half of it. So yeah. <laughs> so I, I remember there's one more. So Joe's playing work then is what I, you're saying. I, yeah. I had to go to the bathroom and I like stumbled like to the bathroom <laughs> and took a moment where I had to remember which sign was for the men's restroom. Boy. Like, wow. God damn. How many did you drink? Like two and a half. Why are, <laughs> why are there two men on that, on that sign? <laughs> It must um, be the women's. It was a really fun night. Do you, you guys make out? Well, that's between us. So. Okay. So that's we'll, a yes. We've got mystery up to the, our <laughs> that's a, listeners. I mean, if you, that's if a fucking yes. If you went to yes the drive-in and is. didn't make out, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Shit, I made out on a youth group trip to the drive-in. Well, we had the church van windows Christian all steamed up and shit. And, yeah. <laughs> like the scene from Titanic. Where the <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, really. It was, it was damn close. Yeah. <laughs> Which one were you? Were you the... Well, there were was, you the hand. No, there was the... me and my girlfriend and my best friend and his girlfriend. So oh. you were yeah. Rose, weren't you? Huh? Just a minute. <laughs> At the same time, yeah. I'll never let go. I, I'll never be okay with I'll that. I'll never let go. Oh, I was okay with it. You oh. never let go. What are you doing, Matt Redman? Why? Why? You never let go. Okay. Move on. Move on. Stop. Yeah. Derp. Derp. You never let Michael, go of stop me. it. All right. White Michael, stop it. <laughs> That's fine. I'm, I'm fine being oh, white Michael. I'm so happy to be me right now. <laughs> it's real. I know. Seriously, right? right. I am the best Michael in this room right now. So, I'm the best one. Hey, no. Yeah, in all fuck fa- you. In all fairness, that's How a, dare you? In all fairness, that's a fucking low bar. No, fuck you too. <laughs> that's really true. 
Fuck you both. Brad's not here, but it kind of like he. It's kind of like he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's black bread. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's not call him that. Um, shorts brew. I also drank shorts brew Frutasia. It was great. So. Uh, I had uh, during the interview. I had a couple beers. Uh, Terre Haute Brewing Company becoming one of my favorites. Yeah, it's good. Uh, this is the we've had it before. The Wango Tango IPA. God, Wango it's Tango. fucking delicious, man. Like just a great summer beer. And then I had from Single Cut uh, Beersmiths their 18 watt uh, ale. It's like a session ale, like a session IPA. Man, that is fucking delicious too. God, they're so. Both these beers were just fantastic for summer. For Everyone a, loves a good Wango Tango. Am I right? Who doesn't? I don't even right. know what a Wango Tango is. Work for is. Ted Nugent. Oh, that's Wang <laughs> Dang, Sweet Poot and Never mind. The, the Flawwells too, but that's not the topic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah, I'm sure we'll. Um, so I, I had during the interview uh, Astronaut Dreams, uh, the Devil's Trumpet, Tangerine, Mango, and Orange. Take yeah, the other, take that other one with you, trumpet. man. It was really good. Yeah, take, it, take a roadie with I'm you. I'm surprised <laughs> you liked it. So now that you've have you finished it? No. Okay. Then I, I, I was saving I wasn't myself for these are posts. Saving yourself. I have to drive Dude, I drink, home. I drank so. 32 ounces of beer and then you haven't drank and finished it. Yeah, but you, you fucking live. Can, here. I, can I ruin hour drive? That's a fair point. Am I allowed to ruin that beer for you? I don't care. Okay. It tastes like melted popsicle. What's That's wrong why with I that? like it. Popsicles it just, are fucking good. Why yeah, they are. Pop-wise? They're, they're they're good. That's the not best to drink. Wait, so ice. So like uh uh freezits. Yeah, like a frozen like f- what are they fucking called? Freezits. Well, no, they're freeze not called it? that. Like a frozen popsicle, not popsicles. But popsicles the, the, are frozen by when you slip up. Yeah, I think they're called. There's freezes. a fucking name. No, there's another name I, for them. I must have had the Aldi what, brand. What, what are you guys talking? What, what the fuck is it? What are you talking about? The popsicles that are just in plastic tubes and you push it up. Oh. Anyway, we have them at work. <laughs> you have those at work? Oh, yeah. We, they're, they're you like, have popsicles they're f- at work? They're full of electrolytes. Yeah, in the summer, they give them to us for free. They have a couple deep freezes. They throw them in. We just grab one when we want one. Electrolyte popsicles. Do I eat like two or three of those yeah, a day in the summer? Like, uh, they're fucking delicious. Like, then you mash it. Oh, kind of, I'll take okay. it like a mallet. Yum. I'll take a mallet and like like smash them up into slushy. Oh, they're so good. Very simple. Oh my god, they're so delicious. It's a caveman. They could just smash it, smash it. (laughs) Break that shit up. (laughs) Smash it. Otherwise, ready to smash. Otherwise, it hurts my teeth. (laughs) We had a point to that. What was the point to that? Uh, No one the popsicle. Yeah. All right. Frozen Um, popsicles are fuck or slushies are fucking delicious. Duh. Yeah. No one's disputing that. Oh, I had a that beer's. Not that slushy great, at Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. You, you had, um, wait, what? You had what? I had a, uh, one of the slushies at uh, Taco Bell. Any well, good? I've never I had, had the, one. Had the strawberry one. It's pretty good. I bet it is. I like strawberry oh. anything. That's I'm a. Uh, I haven't tried their Baja Blast, but I might get that. Oh, next whoa, time. I thought you liked Baja whoa, whoa, Blast. I love Baja okay. Blast. You can't get. You didn't get Baja Blast. Why wouldn't you do that? Stra- I well. Spoiler alert, I got a Baja Blast regular and a slushy. <laughs> 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 there it is. <laughs> okay, that explains yeah. it. There you go. So, so Michael's Michael on the way home is getting a Baja well, Blast okay. slushie. So we'll get, well, we'll, okay, I'll just go into it's why I was, I, was I needed fucking drinks in my fucking Did we talk car. about what this is in this drink? Yeah, he's, didn't you? Didn't yeah, we? I mean, so it's, it's, uh, it's grapefruit juice, um, tonic, vodka. And a sprig of rosemary. Oh, and like you don't a really spray. taste the rosemary so much. You just sort of smell, smell it, it as you drink it. Yeah. God, it's so, fucking great. It's a whole sensory experience. <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah. Is that, that gaining for you? Much like yourself. Yeah. <laughs> a whole I mean, sensory experience. I have the most beautiful one here. Just admit it. Uh, that's that's no argument there, yeah. buddy. Again, low yeah, bar. That's why you have here. Really low bar. Yeah, exactly. All right. Can we get 
I got I'm it. showing up to Walmart. I, I am much. the one. How am I the adult? <laughs> this is the right Walmart podcast. Yes, How am I the adult right now? Dude, right, if you go. get if you get Michael and I together, it's just it's, it's a mess. It's just right. a mess. Yeah. Here we go. I'm just going to sit back and let the black right. guy talk on this one because he's got some stuff. Oh, I've got one, too. Go for it. Uh, okay. Number uh, one. Uh, all right. So let, let's talk about the, the fucking Republican National Convention. Okay. So I, I watched it day one and day two. Uh, why? I can't, I can't believe you so, did. Okay, no, listen. Here's, here's why. Fuck you. <laughs> it's, it's important. Fuck all of you. Fuck you. God. That was me. Grief. Ugh, whatever. It's, it's it's really important, I think, to know what's going on from both sides. I don't want to be the kind of person that just says shit. Racism's and, going on the other side. I can tell you that yeah. right now. Well, oh, well okay. But and I, bullshit. I, I, I don't want to be the kind of person that just hears a perspective only from what I think is right. I want to be able to have opposition. It's because you're a better person than we are. Exactly. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, duh, that's the first you know, so this podcast has established that, obviously. <laughs> Um, but like, I, I want to watch it so I, I understand what they're saying, what's going on. I can have actually competent discussions with. And people. you watch it three nights in a row. You well, can get your two. fill on this the first Wednesday, night. So two. You can get your fill on Monday. With the uh, whatever her name was, yelling at everybody. Well, I'm here right now. Yelling oh my at gosh. Yelling at an empty oh room. God. That lady was oh, crazy. Oh yeah. my goodness. So it's, okay, <laughs> it really pisses me off the way that they they use topics yes to, to to basically fucking scare people i forget what her name was she was talking about abortion last night and like mm. i was watching it with my boyfriend joel and we just stopped and went the hell off about it for a second just because the way she was telling stories about like dismembered children rooms and oh all fuck all off. Off. no i'm serious fuck it was off. fucking traumatic it's it was, not a goddamn it thing horrible Horrible, horrible, horrible. And exactly. Then, then she went off complaining about how the fact that like Planned Parenthood places these pl- these these clinics no, stop. In, in in black in, in black neighborhoods and how that was a problem. And I'm saying, like, are you fucking kidding? That's where that's all they can do. They can't afford to go uh, to the doctor. They don't have health care. That's why they put it there. G- just oh abortions are one percent of what Planned Parenthood does. Exactly. Eat yeah. shit. Yes. And fucking so, die. Then so this morning, God, um, I'm I'm working. I'm I'm opening up reports and things like that. And my dad. Text me. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> text God. He picked the right fucking day for this conversation. <laughs> um, oh, my God. By right I, day, I, I, mean I totally day. missed this. So oh, this was in the ready. pub. You posted this in the pub, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. my What's God. What's the pub? Uh, so. <laughs> that thing you invented. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, first he asked, oh, did you see the, the clip with Herschel Walker? And I said, yes. Which, by the way. Is that the football guy? Yeah. Oh, he, man. He was recruited by Trump for the generals. Back in 1980. I know some. Is that the football guy? I knew it was going around. The football guy was talking about so, how he likes so Trump. So he, he gives a speech about how, oh, well, Trump showed up. To, to We went to Disney World together. He showed up wearing a suit and all this shit. And like my that dad was saying. That doesn't sound real. My dad, exactly. My dad was saying about, oh, well, it just exposes. It, it shows truth amidst all the lies. No, it does stuff. not. Oh, I know. And so this. This is my father, so I'm trying to have yes. a respectful conversation. I saw your text. You were very... Yes, I, I, I tried. Cu- curious. Yes. Let's just say that you're like, I'm bringing... Yeah, oh, okay. I, I wanted to hit him with some fucking truth, but again, this is my father, <laughs> Yeah. so I, I, I have a hard time really engaging with that because... It, yeah, Hi, Michael's yeah. dad. Makes Christmas. Trust me, he's Makes not Christmas weird. So. He's not listening to this. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it was a really... Tr- it, was, it became traumatic because it, there was a point in the conversation where I was talking about... 
Um, just that I, I, I don't agree with them, but that it's okay that we have a disagreement. And then he said, oh, well, do you pray for Donald Trump? And I said, well, I don't pray at Did all. you pray for Barack Obama? And then he said, oh, well, then you're part of the problem. Oh, uh, 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 well. That's where I was, that's, uh, I'm just like, uh, and then he went off on this whole story about this, this guy named this Tom Zimmer person back in the 1980 whatever had a prophecy about Donald Trump and mm. that you know he had a premonition and the, like a stone was put in the Vatican he prayed over it and that he would basically what, what the fuck I'm bleeping out all the curse words uh. I'm thinking in my head <laughs> it's ridiculous and but the the thing is that this story is true this dude had a premonition about Donald Trump that he would be um, the guy to bring America back to Christ. I oh. watched videos about it. It's a what the guy that raped one of his wives and cheated oh, on know. all three it's of them. Fucking ridiculous. God. And you know what I thought? It's the exact same shit that we see, have seen all the time with evangelical church. Like we, we think about the whole like uh, TBN days, prosperity gospel, yep. all this junk that they put out there. To, to go with their own agenda, that makes no fucking sense. It's ridiculous. Anybody would look at this guy and say, oh, well, that that's insane. It's insane. It, it, and my dad thinks, like, the whole virus is a, is a whole thing from Wuhan's thing in China. And it's just, <laughs> I, I'm having a hard time understanding how to have conversations with my parents about this stuff because yeah. we are exactly opposite. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how, like... They're one. There's a few. The, the the two of the few people in my life who can actually get past my walls, who can like get to my shit, because they're my parents. They raised yeah. me. Yeah, right. And they were the ones who like indoctrinated me with this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, like, how how do I tell this line of being respectful, being their son, have talking about other stuff besides this, but knowing we have this vast. Fucking vast it's a gulf. chasm yeah. of disagreement about this, and something that we both feel very passionate about. I mean, I, I wanted to, to scream and yell on the phone. I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't because again, it's my father. Because you're so a better, I but did. you're also a really good person too. And you, uh, well, that's debatable. Um, yeah, you're, you're all right. <laughs> no, you're no, you really are. I mean, I would have lost my shit. If, I mean, this podcast is testimony to the fact that I would have lost my shit a long time ago. Well, it doesn't take much to be a much better person than that's you. That's well, but, but my other thought really was, like, <laughs> are we really going to go down that road? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I kind of wish that I wasn't so <laughs> accommodating. Like, I wish I want to get better at, at just saying, you know, what? I think you're wrong. I think it's wrong. I think that what what you are believing is hurtful to people. Uh, I, I think that your thoughts on this are completely inaccurate. A lot of what you um, believe is hurtful to me. It's hurtful yeah. to me. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I literally told my mother once, I said, how can you vote for a president who feels what he does about women. How can you vote for a president um, who feels the way about a child that you adopted who is black, yeah. um, a, a child who is gay? How, how can you support someone who has these views? And of course, it's all washed away in their minds um, by, well, he's, he's, just, he's just a bold guy. He's just brash. He just does what he wants to. Uh, he's just a... Shoots from the hip, yeah, kind of exactly. guy. And I'm like, well, but but when he's shoots from the hip, it hurts people. Yeah, no, that's what's getting. going. Oh, just like that. Yeah, that's what. You I know, got. you know, what your dad said, Neil. Yeah, this is pretty much what he said. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. Yep. Yep. <laughs> is, that a, is that a new soundbite? Yeah, it is. Okay. Nice. Um, that's great. Okay, so okay, so uh, um, yours is much more important than my shit. Uh, here's here's first world problems. Uh, um, so we did an episode last week called Great Waves. Yeah. I've been in a fucking tsunami since then. Yeah. Shit's just been 
been shit. Um, my oven broke. Yeah. Bought an oven at Lowe's. Lowe's lost the oven I bought. What? Just lost it. How do you lose a fucking it was there. oven? It was there. They lost it. Called him, said, oh, it's still there. I said, it's there. Oh, no, it's not. We can't find it. An hour later, they come. Oh, we found it. Okay. Uh, Lowe's so, isn't that big. I spent three days, three days fooling, fooling around with Lowe's. Um, just whether or not they're... So, so the guy comes out to finally fucking deliver my... my uh, my gas stove mm-hmm. uh it's gas it's got to be converted from natural our natural gas to propane so there's like a conversion kit pain in the ass um so i i pay a guy you know hundreds of dollars to convert it install it and haul the other one off gets there uh lowe's apparently didn't bother asking me or telling him that um my my piping is copper my piping is copper um, and well, go ahead and write that down. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I feel it feels almost too obvious. So but like, I'm going to he, write he it couldn't, down. He yeah. couldn't fucking touch it. So he literally just leaves the the gas stove there. So I've got to fucking uh, learn how to convert. Uh, YouTube baby. Yeah, I had to had to fucking learn how to do it. So shit. I, you know, I think I Lucas. I think that's all he does. Just YouTube shit. I don't think he actually knows how to do anything. Oh I think he just God. YouTube stuff. How dare you? <laughs> Lucas he built he, very, he built my fence. That's why I'm saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas is saying "fuck you, Matt Polly." Thirty minutes before he got to my house, he's yeah. like, "YouTube, how to make a fence? <laughs> how do I do a fence?" <laughs> um. So, so I, I, so I had so now I'm responsible for uh, hooking up gas in my house, Great which idea. is not a not, not not a not a very comforting idea. No, because you can blow your fucking house up or yeah. die from carbon monoxide. So I get all that that shit sorted out, and then I also have to figure out how I'm going to haul off a gas stove because I don't have. I have my parents' truck. So man. can I, I give you one piece of fine. advice before you set up the gas? Already, um, already, it's already. Do, done. Don't eat Taco Bell that same day. Okay, that's that is solid. Well, advice. no, that's fine as long as you don't light a match. Oh, well, I, didn't like I mean, it, okay. it, it comes up with some force. I'm just saying. So, so I got, I got all that. I got all well, that. I know. <laughs> I got Look all that taken to, care of. I know. Yeah. I had a, a trip planned with my brother on Saturday in Kentucky. Um, you have to, like nine brothers. To, which one? To, uh, the one that lives in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, to um, to to meet, and we were going to go fishing with my my family, his family. Sure. Fucking rained. Yeah. So instead of that, I had to go to fucking. What? I'm not complaining. I, I prefer. Like Bass Pro Shop. That's well, you are complaining, but it's fine. We went to Bass Pro Shop. Sure. Um, so it, it was great. Uh, and then uh, I go to work on Sunday. Uh, it's 88 degrees outside. Air conditioner in my car stops working. Yeah. So uh, your your shit comes in waves. I drew it. Does it, it really does. fucking it really it's does. always a tsunami? Yeah. Um, and that that was how Beth and I were for years, man. Like it just it's just like it God came damn. in fucking waves. Why are you in debt so much? Oh, I don't know. My shit keeps breaking all like, at once. Yeah. So um, I drove for seven point seven hours that day. Yeah. Eighty eight degree, which it's That's fucking hot. It's a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah, five hundred twenty five dollars. Well, plus the seventy five dollars I found. It's August in the Midwest. So. Seventy five dollars to find out there's a hole in my condenser, and then five hundred twenty five dollars. Was that the Honda or the? The Toyota. Did you still the, have the the Corolla? Yeah, the Corolla. That Corolla has been a piece yeah. of shit, kind of. See what that? No, I, I mean, feel like you've had a lot of Toyota problems with is that. Usually fucking nah. solid. Yeah, it, it's been fine. Is it? If you have, to, if you think maybe I'm just got, maybe I'm just thinking everything else you've it, had in your life. If, if you realize <laughs> that it's been, it's almost at three hundred thousand miles. Oh, that's eh, true. You yeah. Mean, yeah. Um, it doesn't take long to get to that in our job. And now my job. now my health insurance is on my ass again. 
trying to cancel my insurance. So that's just uh, because. Thanks, Donald Trump. So, uh, yep. So great fucking waves. That's all I got to say yeah. about last week. Uh, I, and really, I'm fine with it. It's been a hell of a ride, but it's just like I'm never going to talk about great waves again. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. From now on, I'm just going to deuce small, my way out of it. Waves. and Say like, I'm going to talk about the small waves. Waves of mercy, waves of grace. Waves of mercy. Just sitting in the, sitting in the surf, huh? Just going to sit in that lake surf <laughs> while I kayak around you. Where I, I don't know. <laughs> I see your face, your love. Michael, there's two. Of, there's two of you right me. now. I'm just saying. No, okay. no, there's, my God, no, there's two of you. There's, there's two of you, and there's Wait, two of him. Hold on, are are you na, na, saying na, na, that I'm na, the same na, as him? Is that no, I'm just saying there's two of you, and there's two of him. He's drunk. Okay. I'm saying that salad isn't enough protein to get me through. What I'm anybody, drinking. anybody You're else welcome. got You're any welcome. any more? What the fuck's going on? No, I think okay. I'm. Okay. I mean, I've got some shit. You'll pass. Yeah, we're. So I was gonna talk about. I'm not going to, but you're friend your guy reggie the other day oh yeah not my friend he's my facebook friend i went to college with him he's just an evangelical he went to johnson and never grew up oh unlike unlike a lot of unlike spouting scripture like a lot of like a lot of my like 90 percent of the people i went to school with they never got past that he's a pastor in a small church in bumfuck nowhere tennessee with a thousand old, with you know, I find your lack of faith yeah, disturbing. with twenty old people, with that. twenty old people in the congregation, God. he's never going to change, and it's a waste of time. I just, I didn't even, it was well, what it was. What? So don't, don't fuck with an overweight black homosexual on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> oh, did you get? Did you wait into it? Oh, I went into oh. it. <laughs> you went further I up and further in. In fucking hard, and like I said. Like, I, I totally proud miss of myself, that. Actually. I miss that. I, it's all the Reggie, the the oh. Reginald bullshit. But God. I didn't see anyway. I didn't comment, so I just like we'll see. Um, I will yeah, say I'll go back I was very patient. I was very patient with the whole thing. You were. I was. I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. You held, you held back well. Yeah. I didn't. But I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I said what I said, but I was like, I wasn't gonna be an asshole about it. Yeah. Exactly. Because Reg- I mean, I I know Reggie. He's not a terrible guy. You know, I, he's I, just he's a fucking evangelical. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm I'm sure they they're not terrible people. They're not. It's just that's how they've been indoctrinated that way. Yes. Just yep. spew out scripture and they never questioned actually it. Actually, having the human conversation with exactly. Stuff. All right. They, they never questioned nuts. it. We got a, a poetry yeah. corner. Are you gonna do it? Skip sure. It? Why not? All right. You guys want a spiritual or? They were romantic. Wild and hard. Romantic. Romantic? They All right, this romantic. We moved for love tonight. They put the come in comings. They put the dick in Dickinson. Welcome to the Polly's Poetry Corner. Take it away, <laughs> Polly. <laughs> All right. This is called To Kiss a Thought. Oh, my God. Uh, Do you feel it when I kiss your lips in my dreams? <laughs> or hold your hand in my thoughts? Ew. Away from you in time and space, but near you more than ever. My smile tingles to near reality, and my hands pulsate with flowing anticipation. Now and then, and now again, I cover your smile with my lips, leaving no part untouched. <laughs> That's a teeth kiss. That's it not is, good. It is never quite the same unless I can feel your breath colliding with mine <laughs> or see you reach out to touch your pleasing lips to my own. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that at fucking midnight. That's disgusting. That was midnight on 
uh, Valentine's Day, 1997. Ew. Was that that written like for someone you were romantically interested in? My wife. And she still Uh, married you? Yes. How, How? Everything I've written, I wrote in college. Everything that's been put on this podcast I wrote in college, no, and most so of them to her. I cannot believe that you're actually married. <laughs> that, that someone, you, you and me both, buddy. It's. I mean, that is scientific. Where are the scientists looking at this shit? Because if you can get married, then yeah, oh, God, that's disgusting. The creep factor in that is just off the charts. No, I was in love. No, it's still it's so creepy. creepy. You so can be in. Love. You can be in love and creepy. Yeah, well, uh, okay. I was in love with her. The the end doesn't justify the means. Exactly. <laughs> so gross. It doesn't? No. <laughs> well, it all worked out in the end. I want to throw Dude's car up. Got well, it did. Dude's car got We've been married for 22 years. Yeah. Does she know that? <laughs> I think that's the greater. Not that he got married, but that he stayed yeah, married. Yeah, it's. Like that's that's beautiful dysfunction right there. You both can eat shit. (laughs) So gross. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. The buckets I can throw up in it. All right. Uh, What do we? You wanted to do Polly's poetry corner, okay? You said you have something. I said yes. I said you want a romantic one or do you want a Christian one? Yes. You want a romantic one? Okay. Our feelings are still valid. All right. Yeah, but mine no aren't. meditating with Gary Busey because of the. What? What is happening? I've the got untimely Gary, death I've got of Gary Brad. Busey. Yeah, Gary Busey. I've got Gary Busey. I've got him bookmarked, no, buddy. I don't. I don't feel like we should do oh, it. Oh come on! No, fuck him. Okay. I've got B- Gary Busey right here. The untimely death of Brad. Meditating with Gary Busey. Never dip lower than you can dip. That's actually kind of profound when you think about it. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I think so. <laughs> Play it again. I got another one. Okay. God damn it. I put too much vodka on that, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd seen this one first. Meditating with Gary Busey. A good way to lose weight is to put salt on your ass and go to a petting zoo. <laughs> but stay away from ghosts because I've seen them fornicate with a mailbox. <laughs> Well, oh, that was amazing. I, have, we, have we not done that one? No. I feel like I made a joke about I it. Remember making sure the flag's up. I don't know, man. You probably did. Who knows? I've been 230 some episodes. Who gives a We've shit? We've done dozens of these. <laughs> God. Um, all right. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the Yo, you're listening to Look on the Bright Side with Mr. Brightside himself, my Polly. Hey, everybody. If life seems jolly rotten, there's got something it. you've forgotten. Um, I am entering into a week and a half long phase of mostly vacation time. Oh, I thought you were going to do like recovery or like rehab or something like that. What's that? That's <laughs> why I thought it was going. I'm it's entering a, into a week long rehab. That's a fucking waste of time. Um, 
Yeah, I took like two days off of drinking, then that that <laughs> I'm ended. never drinking again. Then that ended. No, I never said that. Um, never. Say so never. we. Uh, so I work tomorrow, but then uh, we're going camping uh, this weekend with my neighbor Tyson and his wife Destiny, and her other neighbor Chandler and his wife Marissa. Um, Tyson's, Tyson, Tyson's keeping up with the Polly's. Tyson I has mean, a boat. You had a fence, and now he's got a fence. He has a fence, now he has, he, a, he has a boat. So now you got to get a boat. I got, no. You got two kayaks. I don't need a boat. Kayaks. How many kayaks do you have I have right two now? kayaks. I feel like you've got three, at least. Well, I have an inflatable kayak, too. All right. I feel like there was a fourth kayak in the picture at some point. No, I don't think so. I feel like there were two in the garage, Michael, will you and shut the inflatable one, fuck and up? another one. I am that you're going camping, but you won't go camping with, with us. Yeah. I'm being forced what to go camping, all right? What's wrong with no, you? you? This won't be the last time forced. I go camping because I love my wife and I want her to be happy oh. and she wants me to go camping. Mm. So yeah, this anyway, like an so we're going camping. Heard your poetry, so we're going camping. He's choosing Jesus Christ. Shut the fuck Tyson up, Tyson. Over you, I know. What does he have that I don't have? Bourbon. Inconceivable. <laughs> Bourbon. In That's a boat. True. Do you have a boat? I, I'm on you know a boat. I can buy you fucking. Do bourbon. you have a boat? I could maybe find one. <laughs> I got a boat. I'm a resourceful dude. Okay. Do not underestimate me. Anyway, I will figure that so we're going out. camping this weekend. Um, Tyson has his boat. I'm pretty much going to spend three days drunk on his boat is what it's going to amount to. And then I work Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday we're leaving for uh, South Carolina to visit her family in Charleston, which I love Charleston. Great city. Um, we usually go at Thanksgiving. We're not going to go this year at Thanksgiving because we're, we're like, why don't we go when it's warmer? <laughs> So her her uh, some of her family's going down there at the same time, so we got a, a nice hotel room and we're gonna go down there and hang out and just be on the beach and I'm not gonna be here I'm not gonna be working. I took my my I took three of my last four vacation days and um, I don't work. There's three straight weekends I don't work now and I'm very excited about that and I work two of the next like eleven or twelve or thirteen days or something like that. So pretty stoked about that. I need a break. I need a break. What are you doing? I'm celebrating. Well, thank you. Um, I need a break. Like I Gosh. just, I don't know. I've, I work 48 hours a week every week. Like it's mm-hmm. like non-negotiable. Like, so it, it it starts to wear on you after a while, and uh, the 12 hour days, it it adds up after a while. Um, so I'm looking forward to having some time away. Nice. So we got buddy. Um. Well, so I have been doing. So I, I have a, a a knee injury in my right knee. I have um, muscle degeneration in it, and I've had it for a little while, a couple of years. And I finally you need to do some squat thrusts. <laughs> you need to do the Jerry Falwell workout. No. Or you put some coeds on your weights and hip thrust. <laughs> yeah. God, what a piece of shit. Exactly. So I mean, so I I found I went to a, a doctor up where I live in Carmel, Indiana, home of the Carmel, not brave. Um, so I, <laughs> seriously, home of the rich and racist. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> oh fuck yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I went I went to this this doctor who he was not great, but he referred me to a physical therapist who has been amazing. Good. And fortunately, I I'm seeing some results now. I I can walk like three to five miles a day. Oh nice. Without a lot of pain. Um. Jill and I, my boyfriend, we took some of his nephews to the dunes this past weekend, and we had to mm-hmm. pull um, this fucking wagon through sand. For Which is week. not easy. No, it was really hard. <laughs> yeah. And I was way too ambitious. That, oh, I got it. I got it. I can do it because I wanted to be fucking He-Man. And I, I, Black I, He-Man. I, dude, <laughs> this is better. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I thought that I would be just in realms of pain the next day, and I wasn't. So good. It's, it's been a lot of hard work. It's been doing exercises every single day, um, but it's getting better, and I'm very grateful for it. That's my bright good. side. And so. you've also lost some fairly significant weight too. I lost like, like forty to fifty pounds. Yeah, nice. like you, yeah. you posted those pictures like the other day. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's in the pub or just vanilla Facebook, but yeah, it's a noticeable difference. Yeah, so I'm working on it. Good on you, dude. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, bright side. Oh, I went to Bass Pro Shop. That's my bright side. I got a Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> so okay, how, how is Bass Pro Shop different from Rural King? It's not Bass. Much. It's fancier. Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> they have a giant aquarium. Bass Pro Shop is more about. Did um, you see my hat, Michael? Yeah, you wear it every single time I see you. I know. It's the only hat I do it on you purpose. own, right? No, it's not only hat I own. It's one of my favorite hats, though. Okay. Uh, okay. So four Bass Pro Shop is more about like. Um, it's more about like outdoorsy type stuff, camping. Yeah. They've got boats. They've got fishing tackle. They got guns, got tents, guns. So like Gander Mountain kind of. Yeah, yeah. Or, more, more Dick Sporting Goods. Uh, more like Gander Mountain. Less yeah. like Dick Sporting Goods. And there's, I don't think less basketball, basketball more, less basketball, more hunting. More like hunting and and fish and bows. Outdoorsy and stuff. Sounds boring. So yeah, and Rural King is more like farming type stuff. Mm. Gardening, lawn and landscaping, guns. and guns. Both, and root beer. Both sell and chicken feed and dog both toys. Sell guns. Uh, I did get a moon pie though. So. Okay, dude, moon, moon pies are I got a new, fucking awesome. Awesome. I got a new hat you and a moon shit. pie. No, are, fuck you. Are, what what kind of you rice and you fuck you. No, moon what kind pies of moon are did you have? fucking what delicious. What was the flavor? I had a strawberry moon uh, pie. No, that's see, like the worst of you all fucked the flavors. Up. No, you you could have got banana. Which you screwed the top tier chocolate, which is great. Or my personal favorite, vanilla. Vanilla. You fucked up. Yeah, banana. you fucked up. There's a banana moon, moon pie. Just, oh, dude, just that's the like the name. There's, a, there's every moon pie. Banana moon pie sounds like a sex position, doesn't it? It's going to be one tonight. Yep. Gross. I'm just drunk enough See, to pull okay, that off. Now I'm thinking about that. I'm just <laughs> totally repulsed. Banana moon pie? Ugh. I mean, there's a banana and there's a moon, and put them together. You can yes, but watching pie. your face talk about so, it just makes me want to throw up. Like, how like, dare just, you? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> okay, I can sort of see that. Yeah. <laughs> right? You want to throw up too? Get the bucket. You look like a penis with a little hat on. All yeah. right. There it is. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you both. All right. Um. Yeah, that was my right sign. Uh, do you want to do music time? Sure. Music time. Yeah. I've got... Um... Oh, my God. Stop. Ugh. <gasps> so I went a little... Uh, I'm going different this week. Um, I'm a huge jazz fan, like classical huge jazz. Huge jazz fan. Jazz fan. Huge jazz fan. I'm huge a huge Jackman fan. fan. Huge. How ass long will fan. we do this? How long? How long? Huge what? Two hundred thirty some episodes. Yeah. I know. Are you? What are you new here? <laughs> no, I just have hope. Sorry. I'm a huge. Jazz Stop fan. it! Just kill that hope now. All right. It's dead. Um. So I'm I'm a big jazz fan. I have been since, especially since college. Thelonious Monk, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Charles Mingus, all the classics, right? Nice, my favorite. But man, there are some like, like newer jazz artists out right now that are just fucking killing it. And I found this last, literally last night. Her name is Nubia Garcia. She's from uh, London, I believe. I'll d- double check that. But um, saxophonist, so very Coltrane-ish. Mm-hmm. But man, that's what they're called, saxophonist. Yeah. Okay. But just, I mean, I any jazz, like I am just sexist. No, 
Just yeah, whatever. Continue on, man. Yeah, it's just a saxist, Michael. Him. Just write it down. It's a saxist. Are you happy now? Anyway, <laughs> it's not a sax. I, I, never thought I, it was a saxist. I generally tend to lean towards like I'm I'm kind of a snob when it comes to jazz, so I generally just listen to Davis, just and, jazz, and really? Monk, and okay, I'm, a, I'm kind of an asshole. Yeah. Anyway, there it is. But when when it comes to jazz, like you know, Monk, Mingus. Uh, Davis, mm-hmm. Coltrane, yeah. you know, the, the the bigs, the biggies. Yes. Saxist is a word. Oh. It is but when it comes to, okay, it she's is. a saxist. Anyway, when it comes to Saxophonist is acceptable newer term. jazz, it's a little hard for me to get into it. This, however, is, she's phenomenal. I'm so, I, yeah, I'm just, yeah. This is, uh, the album is Source, the song is called Pace. Play that saxy music, white boy. Um, well, if my Apple music will work. There we go. Pretty sweet bass on this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's deep. I listened to about a half hour of this last night, man. It was while I was reading, like it was. Oh, nice. Time signatures, which is all about jazz. I love the piano and like the bass. So good. Nice. Yeah, I mean it's just, it's just, it's just that's that's just that whole. It's a whole album of. I only got through like four songs last night. Awesome. Because they're all like seven minutes and twelve minutes. I mean it's Mm -hmm. fucking jazz. So like, there's no, (laughs) there's there's no short songs in jazz pretty much. Um, but man, it's shit. just Nubia Grace, N-U-B-Y-A Garcia, Nubia Garcia. It's just amazing. Noise. Yeah. Want to do a, a Michael Moncton song? Yeah, let's do a Moncton song. Okay. You going to do it? So this is one no, you that you got um, okay. my boyfriend Joel shared with me a couple months Which ago. Which one is this going to take? Uh, Osteen, to get Joel to it. Osteen. It's Breathe, um, the, the Felix this is remix. Got it. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's an amazing song because... Uh, the pub is all about de- the podcast and the pub will be deconstructing and kind of moving forward. And this, this song has been meant a lot to me. The, the lyrics are, it says, I love it here because I don't have to explain to them why I'm beautiful because I am beautiful and back home they're scared. Oh, so scared of me, but because, but I became scared of me. I become scared of me. The way you smile when you believe in your future is different. And I love those lyrics and every single time I have, just conversations with my family or with who I just, it, it inspires me to just keep looking forward and to keep pressing into my deconstruction into yeah. learning, developing, improving myself. It is such a good song. Um, the, the version about to hear is not the actual version. It's, it's like an Island remix, but it's really good. I love it. So, so this is Sinabo. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's S E I N A B O and then S E Y can't okay. pronounce it accurately, but it's such yeah. a good song. Uh, and that's the Ralph Felix remix. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, All right. so good. All right, Ugh, I don't want to close. No, I don't want to listen for. Start listening with a free Spotify account. Log uh, in. Jesus fucking Christ, man! Really, I got to log in. I don't even know what my login yeah, is for man. Spotify. It won't work. No, um, let me well, uh, let t- me look it up. I can do it. Okay. Uh, 
Sorry, I should have done this earlier. Okay, I can't look it up. I don't know where I find that. Hold on. I wasn't listening I'm when you said how to spell it. S-E-I-N-A-B-O. S-E-Y. Yeah. And then Ralph Felix is the name of the remix. Uh, oh shit! What's the song called? <laughs> I want to dance with Bree. somebody. Yep, it's, it's the Ralph Felix remix. All right, um, I found it. Did you find it? Yep. All right, good. You're way ahead of me. I love it here because I don't know how to explain to them why I'm beautiful. Because I am beautiful. I'm back home, they're scared. Oh, so scared of me That I became scared of me I become scared of me The way you smile When you believe in a future It's different It's different Now we're moving forward Good Right? I love that Yeah, I can see that Do one more? Sure. What do you want to do? The weepies or wingtip? Um, we're gonna do wingtip. All right. Um, this is another. It just makes me happy. Such a good song. It's an older song. It's a. It's a single. It's called Happiness. It's just really fun, and it's it's another song just about reminding you just to take a moment and find the happiness in life and don't let go of it. So it's just I've really been into songs that just make me smile and, and make me believe in things again. So, right. so nice. good. Summer night, late July A little nervous with your hand in mine Eyes closed, you let me know You just feel like you let go A little bit of a Matt Carney Summer vibe days, in the haze That's probably why I like it Cause I knew you didn't feel the same the lyrics are so Not good. about sticking around Cause your heart's not in it now yeah. All of the signs I missed And all of the things I took for granted Just thought love was like this But I was wrong That's a summer song. That's a good jam. That's a summer jam, man. So good. So if you find happiness, hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah, right on, man. I dig that shit. Good stuff. Hold on to it, baby. Yeah, so good. That's that's awesome. We haven't even done news feed. I have an hour's drive home. God. Yeah. Uh, from the HuffPost.com. Liberals premier shit rag. Uh, missing tortoise recovered after 74 days on the lamb. A tortoise on the lamb? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashland like City. The, the lion and the lamb. No. The Ashland City, Tennessee. Lamb. A 150-pound tortoise who escaped from a Tennessee home has been returned after 74 days, managing to make it less than a mile during his slow and steady journey. Uh, the African sulcata tortoise named Solomon crawled away from his Ashland City enclosure more than two months ago. He was discovered just an eighth of a mile away from home. <laughs> <laughs> he was gone for two months. How the fuck did they not find him? He was an eighth of a mile away. Brad, for reference, lives a quarter of a mile away from me. Yeah. A quarter mile. 
So I literally to the fucking corner as far as he got. <laughs> and they couldn't find him. <laughs> they have no idea where he ended up. Where he, I mean, apparently he went other places maybe and just ended up like just crashed an eighth of a mile away from home. <laughs> How do you not find a goddamn tortoise? That's a 150-pound tortoise. That's not a small animal. One of my favorite animals, actually. I love tortoises so much. They live forever. They do. They they live for fucking ever, man. Tortoise is your favorite? Yeah. And they they sound like this when they fuck. Being able to, you you have your goddamn house on your back all the time. Sure. It's a great life. And you're also like, you just. You can be an introvert and an extrovert. Yeah, you just like, just roam around someone's backyard for generations. Like, that's great. Yeah. Everyone loves you. Yeah. Anyway. uh, What's your favorite uh, animal? Uh, I'm pretty fond of m- monkeys. Uh, okay. uh, I, I am a big fan of like uh, intelligent creatures like dolphins um, and the size of whales. Like whales are like this, the enormity of like a blue whale. Like you can't how fucking huge those animals are. Like blue whales are the biggest animal on earth and they're fucking enormous. If you've ever seen one full grown. I mean, like incomprehensibly enormous. So and watching a humpback like breach and crash down into the water again is pretty impressive to put that much bulk out of the water. <laughs> just, just for swimming. some reason when you're talking and thinking about Jason Derulo's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll bet you are. <laughs> just over here daydreaming about Derulo's dong. Daydreaming about it. Uh, I mean, speaking I'm, of I'm uh, speaking of dongs, uh, product update. Okay. Uh, from Firebox.com. Um, oh, uh, Firebox. That's a bad name. Firebox. There's a thing called Jizz, Jizz the Game. What? Well, it seems like Firebox.com. It's the, <laughs> it literally is. Uh, so you guys ever played uh, Don't Wake Up, Don't Wake Up, Daddy? You ever what? played that? No. Where it's so it has a it has a mechanical father laying in a bed and. You go around the board and you press it. And start, it's one of those things where you, you press it a certain number of times. There's a daddy and the sex dad, doll? And the dad pops up. Like if what? You, like he, anyway. There's a sex doll it looks in like a this. bed. <laughs> that's, that's what it looks like? You literally jack off a dick a certain that's number of times. That's the daddy or the what's wake the, up daddy? what's the game where it, the pie hits you in the face? I don't know. Pie in the face? It may be called that. Jizz on your face. We're like you. It, it's a. It's so do you have to aim what, that dick at your face? What the fuck is this yet? I'm so confused. I just did a product update. Do you? Well, do you aim the dick at your face? Is that part of it? Yeah. It's the, it. So here's the description. You aiming at your friends from Firebox.com. <laughs> Twenty six ninety nine. By the way, it's from. Uh, aiming at me. Do. It's from Bukaki Buckaroo. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey there, hey, Buckaroo. buckaroo. Hey, Bukaki, uh, Thanks for here's coming the to description. my Bukaki. Here's the description. The game of taking a fat load of spunk to the face. Oh, basically, yeah, so jizz roulette. Right basically, so. jizz roulette. Not actual semen, thank goodness. Fill, so we're, so we're fill the balls right. with your substance of choice. So we're buying Pump this, right? away to see if you'll be the unfortunate cum collector. Pump away. But we are buying this, right? <laughs> It's tw- it's only twenty seven bucks. I don't see why not. I mean, it seems like we have to. That feels like yeah. I don't see why not. You know, our, our Patreon uh, setup is simple and fast. Load news. the capacious cum containers with you whatever you want to spatter the lucky loser with. Spin the dial on the left ball to find out how many pumps you've got until touchdown. Do the same with the ball on the right. The carnival attraction to find out where you have to aim it, then pump away. Pump, it's basically pump. raunchy buckaroo. I don't know what buckaroo is, but 
Uh, but instead Bukaki of having loads of, of annoying plastic accessories to pick up off the floor, you just have to get stuck into a packet of wet wipes. I don't so, know. But okay, anyway. why would what you, kind of why sauce would you, would you put in there? Any huh? of this when you can just jerk off? Like, what's. No, this is. It's funny because it will be in Matt's face. That's why it's no, funny. That's, no, you literally jack this thing off. I mean, it well, is. Why, why would you bother? Like, what? Wh- what's the attraction in this? What if? What if this is like some dark net thing where, like, you just buy this? It looks just looks like a fun toy, but somewhere in China on the dark net, there's a dude who has an apparatus attached to his dong, and every time you 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 stroke the shaft of that toy, it strokes his shaft. <laughs> dark net, man. All right, my next story. Um, <laughs> What is wrong with you? Boy, I, oh my, that, that's how my brain works. That got you, fucking. That's a that's a Black Mirror episode. You need so much therapy. That's Hit a Black something episode, just, but it's not Black Mirror. My fucking god, Mike. That is oh, Michael. That is dark. Yeah, Black Mirror. No, that's no. no. I I wish I'd never done Black this. Black Mirror covered in jizz. Michael Monkton. What What kind of jizz would you put Shut in? Shut up. Stop. What do you have, would you Michael? Put mayo I'm in done. There? What do you have? I'm done. What do you have? Hot sauce. I'm done. We're done. Stop it. Michael, what do you have? So, okay. God damn it. I have an old story. This is this is a story from a couple years ago. Okay. And it's just really funny. So, okay. Um, let frozen iguanas lie. Floridians attacked yeah. by newly thawed reptiles. Oh, yeah. They, they, fr- oh, yeah. this is so fucking funny. They're cold blooded. Yeah. So, the recent Hot cold blooded. snap in Florida has led to multiple Hot reports pockets. of. <laughs> Of frozen iguanas falling from their perches. Yeah. However, however bad you might feel for the frigid critters, it's definitely not a good idea to pick them up. So, uh, something of an iguana apocalypse is happening in San, in South Florida, of course, Florida, as the state experiences unseasonably cold temperatures. Iguanas c- can be cold stunned if temperatures drop below forty five yep. degrees Fahrenheit, uh, becoming immobilized and entering something of a cold coma. Uh, this week it dropped as low as thirty eight degrees in Palm Beach. Um, some good Samaritans have taken upon themselves to dispose of iguana corpses, which is disgusting, that have, fall- that have fallen from surrounding trees overnight, only to learn that they've not actually, they're not actually dead and it appears are in fact quite feisty when they awake from their slumber. Yep. Same. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, one, one man in Key Biscayne, a town south of Miami Beach, learned this lesson the hard way when he collected a bunch of gray, stone cold iguanas that had fallen from a stretch of trees, loaded them into his vehicle. First of all, why Wait, lured what? him? In? No, so, okay, loading them into his vehicle. Oh, so he loaded. Like, so okay, he so lured, like they're fucking comas. Okay, Here, here's what I would do I would take them as if they were icicles, pick one up, smash it on the sidewalk, shatters into a well, million we pieces. We know how much you the, love Go no, the next one. They're not frozen, Michael. Can I finish my story now? Um, but imagine if they were. Soon after the seemingly dead iguanas came to life in the now warmed up vehicle and attacked the driver. According Ooh. to wildfire expert or wildlife expert Zombie Ron iguanas. McGill, who recounted the incident on NPR. NPR is just your source of all the best things. So apparently iguanas under two feet in length are usually too small to withstand the freezing and thawing process. But in general, larger iguanas are more likely to survive without any lasting ill effects. Is this not ridiculous? I don't iguanas- I own an iguana. What? Beth and I had an iguana for years. Where's he at now? Beth had two iguanas. She's had two iguanas Why? in her life. Uh, she had one before we even met, and then she gave it to her brother, I think, maybe. They're and dead, then aren't they? there was a, f- a couple at 
uh, college that had to move away and they couldn't take it with them, so they gave it to us. Of all, of we had all, an iguana for years. The only reason we got rid of it was because we had Elijah. Of all the pets you could choose, we, they was it was oh, free. Let's get in the, oh, it was it used free. to sit on our stove while we cooked. Why? It would sit on the top of our stove on the Why? ledge. It just did. But why would you have a fucking iguana? You could have so many other. We just did. Pets. It, was, it was free. I mean, we just had we just had one. But well, they, that means they, anything they are, was free. Anybody are, gives you will for, for free. You'll just be like, they are this cold, is mine now. But yeah. they are cold blooded. They will. F- I mean, they will fall out of trees because they're. I'm gonna drop frozen. off a couple of my dogs later. Well, it's free. I don't want your fucking dogs, Michael. My dog would eat your dogs. No, your dog would not. Yes, she would. No, she would. Have your you seen how strong little, my dog is? Your dog is a little. Have you seen dog. how strong my dog is? Yeah. is pretty strong. She's say. incredibly. She strong. She has a strong jaw. That's all she needs. Have you met my? You don't even know my dogs. I've like. met your dogs. Okay. I mean, if if they have to withstand the pounding that they have every day against the garage door, they're my, my dog. <laughs> my dogs have my dogs have killed animals <laughs> that's a bigger than Gwen. But they've never encountered Gwen, so that's fine. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, iguanas will they will <laughs> fall out of trees. Ridiculous, story. and they they can get they can get ugly. I mean, they oh. definitely can. So oh, okay, yeah, Michael. Okay. Dare I even fucking ask? Um, yeah. yeah. Are you going to do a story? Or? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this isn't really a product of it, but kind of. Uh, KFC has decided to suspend its finger looking good. Their slogan. That's a, I think I read that Probably as a idea. joke. Yeah. No, I, I think so they were retired. They're, they're trashing a slogan. They're getting rid of finger You're looking good. You're not supposed to lick your fingers of because of COVID. COVID whatever. 19, anyway. Yeah. I think if you're eating a KFC, your disease is your least, the least of your concerns. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're kind of like you're just like, oh, I'm immune to it. There's a there's a weird community out there that I think it's really fascinating. Um, it's on Reddit. It's oh, Reddit, of course it is. Slash shower orange. I've heard of this. Okay. You've heard of this, and uh, so it's, it's a community of people who like to shower with oranges. And there are plenty of pictures. Uh, this guy actually has your same body wash. He's got the bourbon and oak body wash. Ooh, I love With bourbon. an orange. My bourbon body wash is awesome. Now imagine that I with have orange. Bourbon body wash, bourbon shampoo. Listeners are wondering how does Michael know what Matt's body bourbon, wash is? Bourbon. Uh, I'll let you leave uh, it to your imagination. Beard oil and bourbon uh, beard cream. Yeah. So it's a lot of people. It just, smells really good. A lot of people just. Uh, Michael, you want to sniff me? Mm, no, I'm gonna pass. A lot of people lofted over to you. Showering with oranges. <laughs> people eating oranges in the shower. We get it. Them. What I mean, like, are like rubbing themselves with oranges? Uh, is a sexual thing. I don't really know. I, I'm not. I haven't fully grasped the uh, the point I mean, behind what's it. What's the grapefruit thing? <laughs> the, the grapefruit thing. Remember I'm, that. Uh, Somebody's drinking a Yingling in I mean, lager. These, these fruits have acid, so you can't rub them in certain areas. With that if you, especially if you have cuts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to be careful when you find those nicks. <laughs> those yeah. razor nicks. Little slits. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, uh, oh, hey, I'm going to show you this picture because this has to be shown. Can you see that? Oh, so somebody's fucking an orange. Pretty sure in that Jesus one. Jesus Christ, man. Oh, well, okay. People do it all. Like, the grapefruit thing is real. Like, that's what, what people, what's the grapefruit thing? What is that? You don't know what this is? I really don't know what it is. Oh, we've played this before. Yeah, so people put a grapefruit in the microwave and warm it up a little bit 
What? And then you, oh, oh, I've you, never heard of this. Yes, you have. I have never heard yes, of this. Don't, don't, I wanted to share this with you because I believe every man should get grapefruited. When you grapefruit <laughs> a man, it's going to feel as if you are giving him head I love and this. fucking him at the same time. <laughs> no better feeling would he ever get than being grapefruited. So what you need to do what? is you need to, of course, have a grapefruit. You want to make sure you get the ruby red. It's sweeter. It's easier. If you are allergic <laughs> to grapefruit or can't use a grapefruit for your medication, you can always use a large navel orange. This, isn't the, <laughs> this isn't the right video. Where's the one where? That was great, though. I'm on board with that. So, okay, so people oh, are, here it is. <laughs> are drilling a hole what in it. What you're going to do is replace the grapefruit from your mouth. You're going to twist up and down on his shaft and suck the <gasps> head at the same time. What? <laughs> what? What? Let me see that again. I mean, now, ladies, remember, that link later? up and down on his shaft and suck the head at the same time. Oh, my. Is, is that a great I can't believe you've never seen this. I have never seen We've this. we played this before on here, man. I know we have. Yeah. So I can't believe that video is still on YouTube. Of all the shit that they've taken off. Oh, my this, God. That's just fucking science, man. Uh, so... Can Bill someone, and I never did shit like that. So because of the acid in the grapefruit, tonic? it's like tingly or whatever. Is that is this? What I you, don't know. What did you do with these grapefruits? I, I'm not saying that our I did this. Look, we <laughs> What'd we, you do? we we talked to him about my dick last time I was on the podcast. I'm wait, not gonna do it. Wait, again. what? I no, you know what? No, never I mind. Don't, I don't remember, Michael. That. What's your next story? I regret everything. What's your next story? So, so just just for my clarification here, <laughs> you you cut a hole in Give the grapefruit, yeah. Oh my god! And then slide your slong in there. No, you yeah, have, you have to microwave it. <laughs> hey, well, just... You have to microwave it. Sorry, you have to <laughs> no, microwave you're it. You're not sorry. Sorry. No, you don't have to dude. microwave it. Well, he was saying what? that from experience. I'm no, I'm no grapefruit. I've, no, I've never microwave. done this. I'm Yet. just saying I know because I've seen movies from the 90s. Should we make one of those Wait, packs? what movie of the 90s did you see? Oh, it's, a, it's the same thing we do in American Pie. It's the exact same premise with okay. a grapefruit. Okay. Except, so, yeah. so okay. let's make a pact next time. No. Next there's no. No. no, no, no I, will never, I will never no. make a pact with Stop. you. Ever. Never. Stop. Never will I make a pact with you. with you. You are a psychopath. You know that you are an actual. Michael, what's your next story? Uh, For the love of God, it is fucking nine twenty. Have you heard of this guy, uh, Jason Maxiel? No. He was a, a a player in the NBA. Okay. Uh, he had a great career as a pro baller before retiring in two thousand seventeen. Okay. He played with the Pistons, the Pistons, the uh, Magic, the Hornets before going abroad to play in China and Turkey. Okay. He's a married man. Okay. Um, he went on a show recently. Uh, it's called Iyanla Fix My Life. Um, so he's been married for 17 years, and he has um, slept with 341 women. What? Before and during his marriage. And how long was his marriage again? 17 years. And apparently they're still married. And how many women? Um, so it's 341 women. We're doing the we math. We need rest. We're doing the math. Spirit on is willing, but the flesh is spongy and Hang bruised. On. That's his whole life. So I don't know how old okay, he is. Okay, so how, it was 17 years, right? Well, I mean, this including before, but during as well. So okay, yeah. there was how many women again? 341. Okay. Well, he's no Wilt Chamberlain, but how many did Wilt? Twenty thousand. That's not real. That's that's what he said. 341 does seem outlandish, but it is, it's a very specific number. 
Well, yeah. So he just quit at twenty thousand. Mm, I don't. Up. I don't know, man. So what's your math? What do you got here? Like twenty. It would be like twenty a year. Twenty a year, almost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it's not. I mean, there there are twelve months. Yeah. So yes, there are. You can double up on a couple months. So okay, maybe months. it's not that outlandish. Oh, yeah. I, don't I mean, he's well, going to he's city to city. He's also married. I mean, that yeah, that's the, just, that's the part we should care the, about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, there's plenty of dudes that have banged that many women and women that banged that many she dudes. But like, like I'm sure, sure well, she has. Oh, she knew. She knew. Come on. Yeah. She had to have known. I just don't see. That sounds exhausting. You also want the Falwells as well. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the Falwells? No, I don't. I don't want to. No, I don't. No. I just come on. Yeah, you like come no. On. Come on. No, I don't. I don't want to no, talk about it. I want to hear you talk about it. No, there's nothing to talk about. I don't care what he does in his bedroom. He's a goddamn hypocrite. I don't care. I don't care what he does or who he watches screw his wife. I don't care. He's a hypocrite because of it. It's not what they do in their bedroom that bothers me. It's the fact that he would expel kids for holding hands or kissing on campus and he's watching his wife get banged by the pool boy. Like and he's probably banging the pool boy too, if I'm guessing. Yeah, that's that's my th- and anybody anybody that goes that hard against sexual the the sexual ethics or whatever is into some weird shit. No, well, well, you know, the, Mike yeah, Pence, I'm telling to, you what, Mike Pence. No, no, dude, stop, I'm going to stop you. No, I'm going to stop. No, you. No, 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 no. You cannot throw Jerry Falwell and Mike Pence, in, which I assume is where you're going in with the the gay community. That's not I fair didn't. to I them. never you, said, you said the gay he, community. You, you said he's probably fucking the pool boy. Follow no, well, he no. probably is, and if he, he wants to, that's fine. I don't care if he does, but you can't do that and then rail against yeah, the, point is the it, sexual immorality that the, he's railed yes, against for yes. years. That's what it's, I'm saying. The okay. double standard, it's the double standard. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. I don't care who I, 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 or I what just, he does. Yeah, I don't care. I, I, I just hate that when that gets tossed in. I don't care who like, he or oh, what he does. probably fucking dudes, no, too. That's he's fine. If they want to do that, if Mike Pence wants to bang the pool boy or the whatever, the sheriff of the town or whatever he wants to do, I don't care. But you can't do that and rail against sexual immorality I at agree the same time. That. Yeah. That's I, what I'm saying. I, I just hate that we th- we throw people. We no. Throw, we're like, oh, he's probably fine. I don't care. Dude. If he's yeah. whatever. Do I, whatever I just, you want. I, it, it just baffles me because I've read articles about this this week about how that side is still fucking doubling down. And like. Sure. Watch it like. They like, have to. But it's so fucking obvious. They have. Like, it is so dude, obvious. If Donald Trump has taught us anything is that nothing is obvious. Yeah. Or the obvious doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, you can say whatever you want. It's alternate reality. It's alternate truth, alternate facts, or whatever. You can say whatever you want, and people will believe it. You can basically go and run for president and talk about grabbing women by the pussy and still be a yes. champion for women's rights. Yes. Yes. Ugh. So stupid. Yep. Anyway. Michael? That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's probably, fine. That's, that's probably good. good. I need to go to the bathroom. Good to I need to pause. All right. Um, so... Let's go in further out, further in. Yeah, uh, <laughs> great. Segue we have a, from we have that. A better to the transition bathroom. for that, or um, I mean, we can play some slow jams if you'd like. I'm never coming on this podcast ever again. Never. Me neither. See, you, you know say what? that. I'm gonna pull out my. You're gonna pull out. Pin. Little George Michael. All right. <laughs> I thought you had to go to the bathroom. I do. All right. Can I do this? It is 927.
All right, uh, Daniel Hill is the founding and senior pastor of River. Sorry, Daniel. River City Community Church. Sorry for anyone at this church. This is not a representation of who he is as no, a human being. He's a very nice human being. We are terrible human Don't beings. Don't judge him he by this great. podcast. Yes. It was a great interview. Yes. Judge you, us by this podcast. You probably Don't judge didn't him. know what he was getting into. <laughs> I apologize. Um, anyway, uh, Daniel Hill is the founding and senior pastor of River City Community Church in West Humboldt Park, Chicago. Formed in 2003, River City works to promote spiritual renewal and social and economic justice in the community by demonstrating compassion and alleviating poverty poverty uh as tangible expressions of the kingdom of god yep um prior to starting river city daniel served on the staff of willow creek community church uh the author of white lies white awake 1010 uh daniel has an ma in theology from moody bible college a certificate in church-based community and economic development from harvard divinity school (laughs) not exactly a lightweight a uh dm uh, from Northern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, he also went to Purdue for, I think, undergrad stuff. We didn't cover that. We should have covered that. I would give him I a hard know. time, but I forgot. Yeah. Uh, Daniel and his wife, Elizabeth, a professor, professor, professor of psychology, uh, are the proud parents of Xander and Gabriella. You can check out his like website. Xander. It's a good name. Yeah. Check out his website, PastorDanielHill.com. Good interview. You're going to like Links it. in the show notes. Great stuff. Yep. Check it out. Um, without further ado, let's go further up, further in. Further up, further in. Further up, further in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Hill, are you there? I am here. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I, I know we we just said this. Thanks for coming on. Uh, <laughs> there's no good way into there's an no, interview. There's no great way to to just uh, pretend like we didn't have that pre-production meeting just now. Um, <laughs> so, um, man, your book, uh, I read it, I read it, um, I don't know, almost a month ago now when kind of everything was as mm-hmm. kind of going crazy. Things yeah. are still going crazy, but it was, yeah. everything was really fresh. Um and it's such a, a timely book, um, and I'm really excited to to share what you've got going on and kind of your point of view in this um, this age of uh, Black Lives Matter, um, and, and just kind of s- share your perspective. Um, so I I love the book. First of all, I read it, couldn't put it down. Um, and yeah, I, I'm excited to, to share that. We're also going to give away uh, a copy on Twitter as well, uh, on our Twitter page. Um, so in, in the, so first of all, thank you. Thank you for mm-hmm. writing this book. I think it's, it's important, especially for, um, people like Matt and I who are, um, you know, just a couple of middle-class white dudes. Mayonnaise. Um, <laughs> we're mayonnaise. We're, we are mayonnaise. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I think I, I think your perspective is 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 helpful for us to become educated um, from from our previous upbringing and kind of our point of view. Um, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the introduction, you talk uh, about Dr. Willie G- Jennings' comparison of white supremacy to that of a parasite. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he goes even further to say, if white supremacy is a parasite, Christianity is the host. 
Uh, yeah. Why? Why? Why is that a good wow. comparison? Could you break that down? If this takes the entire uh, episode, entire episode, we're fine. <laughs> <fact>. Same. <laughs> yeah. Well, in case your your listeners are unfamiliar with it, Dr. Jennings, he was at Duke University for a long time. He's at Yale now. He's African American scholar, particularly at the intersection of race and theology, and is considered to be one of the most foremost scholars. So, when he talks about white supremacy, I'm I'm always intrigued to listen. Um, so yeah, that, that metaphor just gripped me right away. I mean, even just thinking of the white supremacy part, right? I mean, people generally know what a parasite is, right? It's a nasty little organism that can't survive on its own. It has to attach itself to a host to even be able to survive, right? And it, it kind of evolves with the host to the host's detriment. So even just thinking of white supremacy in that term is interesting, an interesting way to think of the ideology and what it does. But then that haunting question of like, if it looked for a host, what was the host, <laughs> Um, for yeah, for him to claim. So it's not really making a claim about Christianity as much as it's making a claim about what white supremacy attached itself to in order to survive. But then, of course, that requires a great deal of uh, reflection. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we've kind of talked about this, right? That it's very popular um, in, in today's day and age to be talking about kind of the deconstruction, reconstruction of faith. And I, I, I certainly understand that to a certain degree. I think the the metaphor from the metaphor from Dr. Jennings uh, about seeing it as a parasite offers kind of a slightly different way of thinking about deconstruction. Um, you know, if you think about the white supremacy element of it, it's, it's probably less deconstruction and more around how do you peel that thing out off and from yeah, right. within, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just, it, 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 it kind of, it kind of offers up a different angle. And to me, it explains, you know, there's different ways to explain the division, particularly racially within the larger church in America. But this is one of the ways that helps me explain it, where you see a lot of folks who have walked away from the church, and for a variety of different reasons, but for a lot of folks, they've walked away for what they perceive to be the church to be in bed with white supremacy or with misogyny or you know, with homophobia. Uh, but particularly on this race piece, they see really what Jennings is saying, this parasitic relationship between white supremacy and Christianity. But rather than doing the hard work, which I don't want to be flippant about this, but I, I think it does require hard intellectual work to, it's much harder work to decouple the two than it does to just kind of walk away and say, you know, Christianity is forever lost because white supremacy attached itself to it. And then I think it explains a lot of the problem of what's happening in the religious right, where, you know, you get your, we're seeing this even kind of the conventions right now, and I'm not trying to make political statements right now, but even, you know, in the, in the conventions right now, uh, there's just a lot of rhetoric around racism isn't real, right? Um, yeah. uh, white supremacy is not real, right? It's it's not, it's a boogeyman. We're, we're, we don't really, right? And so what you end up doing by refusing to acknowledge it, there's really no chance then to, you really kind of make the same mistake that those who walk away from the church do, where there's no appetite or um, intellectual integrity to start decoupling the two, right? And so what a lot of people do by minimizing the role of white supremacy while talking about faith, they actually become evangelists for white supremacy right alongside with being evangelists for Jesus. And that, of course, becomes hugely problematic as well. So it's a very provocative metaphor. And as you know, it's kind of how I start off the book. Yeah. Um, so in another thing I want to talk about. So you say in, in 2003, you promised God that you wouldn't publish anything regarding race <laughs> uh, right. be- because you didn't think the world needed another white guy talking about issues that most yeah. affected non-white people. Um, right. w- we are in that same boat with you um i don't know man the world could use more white guy podcasts. no they they really don't need another uh, uh, another way that one yeah <laughs> the world does not need more white guys on podcasts absolutely um so what 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 changed your mind to be like this is something that you needed to do because i think that's important for our, our 
our listeners to understand your perspective on that and knowing that going into this book, you were well aware of, of that stigma, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it speaks to an even larger question. If I can kind of start with the larger and then come back to kind of how I've navigated this. I think there's just a larger question just in general for us, those of us who are white and are becoming more aware of the legacy of race and of white supremacy and the harm and damage that it does. There becomes kind of this question of like, clearly inactivity is not the answer. We don't want to be immobile. Right. But there's kind of a separate danger that has to also be acknowledged. Right. Like folks like us who are awakening to it, but don't fully understand it, we can actually become dangerous to the movement when we attempt to help without really being aware of what's helpful and what's not helpful, what's supportive, what's not supportive. When are we actually taking back over without even realizing it? When are we perpetuating white supremacy in a different kind of way, just under the banner of trying to help, right? So uh, to me, this question you're asking is located within that larger field, right? Of like mm-hmm. when you're a white person and for, uh, for us white guys, right? You know, so we've got a couple of different power axes that we're kind of holding in that. Um, and you do that straight to that, at least for me, um, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that, that, all different, all different kinds of things, right? So, um, uh, where, where I've come and I think it's a really biblical idea at the end of the day, at least for me, I'm a pastor. I'm, you know, kind of always trying to understand kind of what's the way of Jesus in these things. And, um, you know, I'm inspired by, you know, the apostle Paul, which of course he becomes such a principal figure in the new Testament. Right. But, um, his, his training happened in the city of Antioch in, in Acts chapters 11 through 13, you know, and Barnabas pulled him in there and he learned how to be a pastor in this multicultural, culturally diverse urban city. And then, when it came time to be sent out, it wasn't him who decided for himself that he was ready. It was God, ultimately. But it, it happened in the context of his community. His community said, we believe God has set you apart to go do this work, and we're now blessing that, endorsing that, affirming that. If I can kind of make a bridge from that to this work, I, I don't – From I, what's been true of me ever since I've gotten into this day where I will never trust myself to authorize myself to be the one to do work. <laughs> um, in, in, in terms of the problem of white supremacy, like I want to be awakened to, it, I want to be understanding it. I want to be prepared to participate, but it's not really my call at the end of the day. It's those who are affected most by it. Um, I need, I needed, and it took me a long time to build this. So, you know, I'm, I'm careful about saying this isn't something you just do overnight, but I need to develop a team of people that was part of my broader community who could actually say to me, Hey, Daniel, here's the role you can play. And that we're actually endorse it. We're authenticating you to play this role. And then not just in a one time, go do it, but where you come back and check in and be accountable to it. Right. Cause even as I do this work, sometimes I say something, I come back to my community, go, no, 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 that, 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 <laughs> We know you mean well on that, but you know you, you, you just as much risk um, making things worse when you say stuff like that, right? That's just an ongoing reality. But what I'm trying to get to is that um, submitting to a community of you know, leaders of color, I think, is a really critical piece. And so that's the answer to this question. I was never planning on right, and I would have sworn that that was God's will for me. But as mentors who I did work with got to know me better, and I fully submitted to the work they were doing, what they started saying is, um, you know, we actually need some white folks to talk to white folks, and we want you yeah. to do it under to do under our direction but we understand that like white folks are going to hear stuff differently from fellow white folks and honestly we're not white like we can see the problem in a way you can't but you understand the psychology of whiteness in a way we don't right so if we can partner together in that way and you're you know accountable to us in this work you know we want to be able to send you into this you know and so it started small just kind of sharing my testimony of awakening to the system of race white supremacy how i kind of navigated that at an identity level how i navigated that in terms of submitting to leaders of color and you know just as the more they had me do that the sharper i got and kind of tell my own story and i kind of turned into wide awake which was the first book and um and then even from there again it's been submitting to them over and over again and so as there have been kind of these principles that i've tried to train white folks on they're like 
we want you to, we want you, we want you to do that work, right? Like you're actually saving us some labor by you being the one to talk with your kind of people, you know, in terms of how they can position and posture themselves for this work. So I, I tell them this all the time. It's sincere. As soon as I'm taking a spot, I shouldn't take, as soon as I'm no longer needed in this, as soon as it's long, not the way it is, like I'm out, right? This is not like yeah. a career thing I'm trying to develop. Like the second that it's not helpful to the movement, I'm out, you know? And so I think as long as we have that kind of a humble posture where we're continuing to listen and learn and follow the lead of those who see it most clearly, um, you know, then, 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 then I, I think that's, um, you know, I think it kind of creates a pathway for us to think about that. Yeah. So, uh, hi, I'm the, the other Michael here. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say that real quick. Uh, so I, you had just mentioned about um, hearing from other black leaders and, and as, as a black person myself, I've struggled with this. How do we balance this? How do we balance hearing from both black and white leaders on this topic is something that I've had lots of uh, discussions with, with friends and family members about this. How do we kind of toe that line of how much do we hear from black leaders? How much do we hear from white leaders? How do we approach even opening up those conversations in a way that does not come across as, as you know, being the whole white savior thing or whatever? How do we do that effectively? Oh, that's very gracious of you to be asking me that, Michael. But I mean, can you check? Can, you're welcome. Can you check in? Like, I'm sure you're talking to other black leaders about this, right? Trying to go like, I'm sure you've got a perspective of how you're hoping white folks will show up with you when they're wanting to do this, right? Can you go first, and then I'll happily share thoughts, kind of based on what you're sharing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's what I've been thinking about this: is it comes down to just being honest about it because there, there's, there's no, okay. In my opinion, there's no white right way to do it at all. There's no right way. Um, I think it's just sitting down and having the honest conversation and saying, Hey, we, we both have different angles about this and we both have different things to say about it. How can we come together and really discuss it? Because I feel like oftentimes I hear white people say, oh, well, I'm going to set this one out. I'm not going to say anything because mm -hmm. my, my voice doesn't matter. And frankly, it makes me upset because your voice does matter. You as a white person matters. If white people don't say anything, that's part of the problem, right? So mm -hmm. I, I want to hear a balance. And we, I, I feel like we have this expectation of you know, how, how things should be and that the, the black voice would be better than the white voice. That's not necessarily true either. It's about having the truly honest conversation and us knowing, hey, they're, they're going to be uncomfortable. We will be uncomfortable. I think we have this whole thing about we don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah. That's impossible. Yeah. Absolutely. You're not having this conversation without being uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it, right. it's not possible. You, yeah. you can't do it. Yeah. Once, we, once we say, you know what, we're not going to enjoy this, it's going to be, it's gonna be uh, there, there could be some conflict. But if, if we have respectful conflict and, and have conversations and be able to listen, listen truly and deeply to each other, that's where it starts. So that's kind of my answer. But I really want to hear your mm -hmm. perspective, too. Yeah, well, thank you uh, for sharing that. Right, it feels like there's a lot of different dimensions. You're speaking to one, you know, in terms of like embracing the discomfort and not getting immobilized by fear of saying the wrong thing or not showing up in exactly the right way or saying yeah, just exactly. the right way. I, I think that's certainly a critical component of it. Um, um, you're kind of pointing out that there's not a single right way, um, which I think is probably right. I'd maybe would add to that as well. I, I do. I would. Certainly within our faith community, one of the things we do acknowledge is that um, there's not a unified black voice, right, in terms of like mm -hmm. what they would be telling white folks to do. In fact, right, exactly. really, if you follow prominent voices on social media, you're going to hear actually almost completely contradictory things from different folks, right? So mm -hmm. it does add to 
um, the confusion, uh, the complexity, if, if I can call it that, um, you know, it would be a much more straightforward path. If we knew it, white folks need to have the courage to do A, B, and C. So now the question is, do you have the courage to do A, B, and C? Mm-hmm. It does add to the complexity when different leaders will actually say what A, B, C is. It contradicts what a different leader says A, B, C is. So that's just the reality. I think that's um, part of the equation too. Uh, I, I guess I'd, another one I would add. It's kind of like we're living in between two poles, right? So. Um, it's like I would say both of these cannot be an option. So if we're doing either one of these, we're making mistakes. So one option cannot be inactivity, right? And I think you're kind of highlighting that, right? Like we can't let our own fears, our own paralysis, yeah. our own uncertainty um, immobilize us to the point where we're not doing anything. That's just – I mean that just seems like a clear cut. Like whatever the answer is, it can't be inactivity. It can't be being immobilized. I guess all I'm trying to highlight is that there's an equal and opposite danger of like the answer also can't be self-guided, self-authorized, white-led – approaches to this because i think that's a different kind of danger right and so these aren't competing against each other they're just representing almost poles on the spectrum right so it's like we can't get stuck but we also can't swing all the way the other side where we feel the kind of confidence to without accountability or direction kind of do what we think makes sense because you know there's different perspectives out there right so i think there's some kind of a i think there's some kind of an authentic space in between those two where we contend with the fears and the insecurities that would otherwise immobilize us and where we address the reality that when this conversation is white led and white directed, it often becomes a perpetuation in a different kind of form of the very thing that we're up against. Yeah. So in the book, you talk about um, a mostly white organization that is transitioning to be more diverse. Um, I've been part of a couple companies that uh, have, have gone through that transition um, or not that it's, and it's transitioning, I guess. Um, so in some of the feedback they got back was that they had an overvaluing of harmony and an undervaluing of conflict. Now, um, I am used to being comfortable. <laughs> um, it, but, but I know that, um, conflict is very, very important in this discussion. So can you talk about how the importance of conflict? Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, I might just say a quick word on, uh, you know, p- part of what you're highlighting too, and this is a challenge that organizations face is the same one that w- oftentimes white individuals face, right? It's not uncommon for us who are white to say, I'm white, I don't really have a culture, right? I can see black culture, I can see Asian culture, I can see you know, Puerto yes. Rican culture, whatever the thing might be, but I don't have it right. Um, and so the same thing happens to companies as well. Um, yeah. There's kind of, or churches even, you know, right, that there's this desire to become more diverse without ever recognizing that there's these cultural norms. At best, there's these cultural norms that are unaddressed. At worst, that they're even kind of steeped in a white supremacist way of thinking. And so that's where that story comes from is there was the kind of shock of this company of saying, you know, as they started hiring more people of color, you know, for the people of color to go, whoa, the white culture this organization is really difficult to navigate <laughs> that company mm-hmm. going wait what we don't have a white culture right we have the, our corporate culture right so um so again you're right to highlight that was one of the white cultural norms for them what well, was with conflict so sorry that's a long no 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 that's, but that's good. some of the scaffolding i think that's important right absolutely because i i mean with the conflict i mean I, I don't know if i'm answering exactly what, what you said there's there's a lot this what gets tricky about the race conversations. There's just a lot of meta human skills we need that are bigger than race. Yeah. But that really become absolutely. key in the race conversation, right? So I mean I would I would argue and I'm guessing you guys would too, like learning how to have healthy conflict is 
a meta skill that we need in almost every area of life, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to make a marriage work. It's hard to make friendships work. It's hard to make a leadership team work if you can't deal with conflict in a healthy kind of a way. So, um, that becomes triply important in um, race related work because, it's literally impossible to do this without having conflict because if you're going to try to start moving in a multi-ethnic spaces, there's going to be constant offenses that happen. There's going to be constant misunderstandings. A conflict mm-hmm. is just going to be a way of life. So I do think it, I would, let me say more strongly, somebody shouldn't endeavor to do this kind of a work if they're not ready for what should be hopefully healthy, like conflict. Yeah. I mean, my, my boss, my boss at Willow Creek, Nancy Orper used to say, if you're not saying, a policy, she used to say, this is one of her axioms. She used to say, if you're not saying sorry to the people you love at least once a week, there's no way you're living in an authentic community. Amen. That's great. I think that's right. really good. Just what you said about the, the meta skills that we have to have to have these conversations, mm-hmm. because you're exactly right. That's what's missing right now, what we don't have. But we need to remember that just know we don't have them and to be okay with truly saying this is not going to be fun, but we'll get through it. Like that's what's missing is yeah. people's ability to listen without getting hurt the second they hear something that goes against what they believe and sticking to what they have to say, but being able to engage in a respectful manner. That's what we don't have. What we need to work on as a, as a human race. So that's a really good point. Yeah. I, and I kind of along this line, I, I freely admit that I was the cliche woke white guy who uh, <laughs> thought he had graduated from being a racist. Um, uh, and I think you touch on a key point that it is a journey and not just about a destination. I think with those organizations too, you kind of, mm-hmm. uh, they think, oh, we've got a diversity program, so now we're done. So right. there will be no conflict from here on out. And that's simply just not true. Um, and if you, if you really want to dive into it, you have to be able to embrace that, that conflict. But, um, but you're talking about fighting racism as if they are spiritual practices, which I think is really interesting too. While, while learning about this, I can't help but compare my spiritual journey out of fundamentalism, um, with that of out of, you know, that mindset of, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I've got it all figured out, you yeah, know? Right. And it was, it opened up a new part in my brain where like, Oh, I really need to deconstruct my thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the very first practice in the book that you say, you say, stop being woke. Um, <laughs> and you say that, that white Christians need to confront the desire to be woke. Why mm-hmm. is, can you talk about why woke is such a dangerous word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it certainly has to come with a disclaimer. The tricky part about this is not everybody uses that word woke. In fact, some kind of scoff at it. And so they lose the point of this yep. um, conversation because they get stuck on the word. So even if you don't get stuck on the word, what the word woke represents something that will have a new word attached to it, but the thing it represents will not change. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it. Like, I think for those of us who are white, I mean, I think it's just a human thing, right? When you're trying to take on something daunting, something that's challenging, you, you want to figure out how to like win it. Right? Like you want to figure out how to yeah. accomplish the task. Right. So it's like, if I'm starting in a deficit, how do I get to the high ground? How do I, how do I get to the finish line? How do I graduate to kind of use your term? Yeah. My, my so wife texted me today saying that my son who is uh, seven was Googling uh, how to win Animal Crossing? <laughs> it's not even a game like that. You don't need. You can't win. There's not an end. That's hilarious. Yes. Really? So, so that just that that just stood out to me because that's exactly what even yeah. even at his age, at seven years old, he's trying to win something. We want to conquer. We yeah. want to conquer everything. Sorry. Go. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt your point. 
no, no, no. So right, I, mean, I think that speaks to the, there's the human need for that anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's I think it's actually doubly accentuated in the race conversation because when you only have to be a little tiny bit awake to realize that one of the worst things that you can be called is a racist, right? Like I mean that that yeah. that's that's like the badge of terror mm-hmm. for those of us who care about this, right? So I, I think it's oftentimes at a less than conscious level, but we kind of want to say if race is on one side, then what's on the far other end? Like what's the extreme of anti-racist? What is the arrival? What, like, how do I say, how do I put my shoulders back and say, thank God I've joined the ranks of those who are successful allies. Right. <laughs> and that can kind of join the work of yeah. those on the front lines who've been doing this. We're like, so we hunger and strive. But I think we all do. I think, it was, I think it's a mistake to not acknowledge that we hunger for that. Um, and that's the dangerous side of woke. There's a positive side of woke, which is being conscious, right? We do need to be conscious of these systems and structures and the way we've been informed by and participate within them. But that's the really dangerous side is the hunger for an arrival point. And so this sounds so simple what I'm going to say next, but I do believe it's the most difficult, literally the most difficult work for a white person who wants to do this. There has to be an internal conversion where I say, I will never fully understand white supremacy and I will never fully understand my own complicity with yep. it. Yep. That doesn't mean I don't keep moving forward. That doesn't mean I don't keep learning. That doesn't mean I actually can't see more of it every day. It just means that every time I see another dimension of it, that will begin the process of realizing there was another dimension that I didn't see. So it's much like the spiritual life, right? Like we can actually embrace this. Like nobody thinks of being woke at a spiritual level, right? You don't think of like, what do I need to do spiritually to have arrived with God, right? Like where do I get at what point in my walk with God have I arrived where I no longer have to keep striving, keep growing, keep learning, right? Nobody thinks like that in the spiritual life. But when it comes to the racial awakening journey, we do actually hunger for a concrete arrival point that kind of announces us as having arrived, as being one yeah. of those who get it, who's with it. And um, I actually think that that more than anything undercuts the positive momentum once somebody starts moving forward in this work. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Uh, one thing that, that really stood out to me that you said was when white folks talk about race relations, they speak in almost exclusively optimistic terms. Um, I know I've been guilty of this. I, you can probably play back episodes from six months and earlier where we have been optimistic in that we on this very podcast. Um, why, why are we always framing it in optimistic terms? Um, yeah, I, you know, we were kind of getting to this question a little bit earlier being like, what are some of the traits of white culture and how does that work? Yeah. You know, I, I do think, I, I think it's when we, when you've never thought about just trying to describe white culture can feel like a confusing exercise, but I would say that that's one of the traits of white culture is that, um, two different traits that are kind of getting combined. So one trait is that I think there's just kind of inherited. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think like anything, when a strength becomes overused, it becomes a weakness, right? So yeah. um, I think one of the kind of strengths of the Anglo tradition is kind of this problem solving kind of a thing, right? Like, like if there's, if there's a problem that's facing us, that's the American can do spirit, right? We will find a way to prevail, right? Like that, that's what we do, right? Yeah. We find a way to prevail when a problem arises itself. And then I'd say closely linked, like there's just a kind of a deep triumphalistic narrative, you know, in terms of how Americans have always been kind of bred to think, right? Like from the very beginning, we've chosen to kind of re um, retell stories in such a way where we are up against an enemy, whether it be native people or you know, whatever it would be. And we were victorious over that. And so we, we, we tend to think in terms of triumphalistic terms, it's very, it's very deep in the psyche of kind of white culture in America. And so I, I, I think that those just become starting points for us. When we come up to an intractable problem like race, we need to know how to win. <laughs> we're just working with a group, a very prominent group of 
a national group of Christian leaders and they assembled their top 10 questions about race. And literally one of the top 10 questions was how do we win this thing? Yeah. I, I hate to spoil the ending for you, but like we're 500 <laughs> years in, um, it's probably not going to be your generation. That's <laughs> Good point. Like, how did that become one of the questions? Right. Yeah, like, I think yeah. it just reflects the cultural conditioning. Right. So I just think there's these things. It's not to shame them as much to understand that, like, we've been conditioned to kind of think about things in a certain kind of a way. Yeah. <laughs> so one more story. I was with a, uh, me. I work with a, there's a black woman named Shamika that, you know, mentioned in the book and I do some work with her consultant company. We were with the church. We just talked about how deep the system of race goes and how far back the ideology of white supremacy goes. And one of the white pastors on staff said, I have never felt more hopeless in my whole life. Like, I don't even want to show up at church tomorrow. Like, there's there's nowhere to go after this. Wow. And, you know, she looked at him and she said, well, maybe you just for the first time in your life got a tiny, tiny, tiny glimpse of what it's like to be black in America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Like, you, 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 you feel like you can't go to work tomorrow because this thing's so big. And th- this is the first time at 30 years old that you ever thought about that, right? Like, imagine every day waking up knowing that this yeah. is what you're up against, mm-hmm. right? So there's just a different, there's a different kind of spirituality that tends to be kind of in black people of faith, you know, in terms of like, you're, you're not viewing win as something that's going to be conquered and triumphed and, neatly tied up right it's it's a different kind i mean i still want to address it still want to be victorious but it's a totally different kind of a mindset so i think a lot of it does reflect kind of the cultural norms that often are unidentified that we bring to the conversation yeah i so like i said i, I read, read this um this was a so after the stuff with george floyd happened uh i decided i was going to you know educate myself on on what what the hell's going on? Um, and so I read uh, White Fragility, and then I read your book. And since then, I've gone on to read uh, books by black authors, just for you know to be have a well-rounded perspective in this. Yeah, yeah um, sure. And, and I'm still learning and trying to to find ways to 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 learn more. Um, but when I was reading your book, it was just like uh, the only way I could explain it was like I was trying to explain it to to my wife. I'm like, I, I've been in this room my whole life. And there's an elephant in this room and I've been walking around this element elephant <laughs> and I yeah. had no idea there was an elephant in this room. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. how big it felt to me. Like I had no idea, no idea how deep it was um, mm-hmm. with, with, with it, it just seeped into everything uh, right. in, in my life. And it was just, it was overwhelming. So I have a few questions. That well, just, to, just to piggyback off that, I thought about this earlier, you know, you know, we talk about deconstruction so much, and this whole podcast is basically built on that concept, or at least, at least it, it was, was well, yeah. at one point was, um, not so much now, but, <laughs> but that was, I mean, race was not something I ever yeah. thought about. I never ever. deconstructed never it. Never deconstructed it. Never thought about it. I was never, you know, I was never part of the KKK. I was never overtly racist, but obviously there was white privilege. There was racist tendencies. There you was, had no idea. You had, I had no idea. And no one... Any ever all of all this progressive stuff I read, nobody was talking about it. Yeah. Um. So, so some of the questions I had when my mind was exploding with this idea that I've been complicit in this, um, is uh, is, is silence a privilege? Is silence complicity? Um. Yes, I would say it is. Um, I would probably expand on that, though. Um, you know, I don't think I do this in White Lies and White Privilege. I, uh, sorry, in White White Awake. Um, I quote one of my pastor friends in the South Side of Chicago, um, Reverend Julian DeChazier, and um, he defines privilege simply as the ability to walk away. Yeah. Yep. Um, which Absolutely. I think is a really mm-hmm. 
accessible way to think of it, right? It's not the sum total of all of it, but it's it's a really helpful starting point. And when I think about that, because right, the, the, the idea of privilege trips up a lot of people, and and I, and I got tripped up in there though. Like my, there was a lot of hardships in my life growing up. You know, I certainly didn't think of myself as privileged. But when I thought of Pastor Chazier's definition, I thought, well, man, if privilege is the ability to walk away, I can look back at almost every era of my life where I came in contact with the system of race or white supremacy and chose to not even go ankle deep, much less knee deep or, you know, waist yeah. deep. Like I kept walking away. Right. And so um, I, I say that because the question of silence kind of assumes we see it, but then we're not saying anything about it. Um, and I'm not saying that's exactly what you're saying when you ask that, but I feel like that can be an assumption in there. Like almost like I get what it is, but I'm not doing my part to say anything or expose it or move towards, you know, uh, confronting or dismantling it. I actually think in a lot of ways, the problem is deeper than that. It's kind of like that elephant thing you described, but we can take it almost a, um, a, a, a little bit further if it's all right to say. I almost think of it not as an elephant, but as a medieval dragon almost yeah, right? that yeah. like mm-hmm. is walking around killing everybody mm-hmm. it touches. And somehow we lived in the same neighborhood as that dragon. And, had and no because idea. it never was coming after us, we just chose not always even super voluntarily, but we chose to learn to live life in a way that like literally walked around, not just an elephant, but a dragon that was killing people. Right. And so it's almost like the, the more you see the rally dragon, it almost answers itself, the silence piece, because a lot of where the silence comes from is is really still ongoing ignorance, right? Where I'm like starting to see a little bit of it, but I'm getting paralyzed, I'm getting defensive, you know, I, I, I'm getting immobilized. Um, but when you see that this thing is evil and personified, right? If I can, again, use scripture, you know, when Jesus talks about the evil one in John 10, he says, I've come to bring life abundantly, but the thief, the evil one comes to steal, kill and destroy. Right? I mean, that's that literally could be the job description of white supremacy it comes to steal, mm-hmm. kill and destroy black Absolutely. people, especially. But, you know, yeah. everybody to some degree. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I don't, the, the humanity of all of us, once you know something's out there trying to steal, kill and destroy, you almost can't not do something about that. Right. So yeah. I, I just don't know if the problem is silence at the end of the day as much as like we still haven't chosen to open our eyes all the way. And once you have, I don't know how you go back to normal, right? Like you can't go to bed at night comfortably knowing that this thing's ravaging and killing people and well, you shouldn't. largely yeah. moving <laughs> unchallenged, right? And I'm, yeah. I'm just going to work every day and not thinking about it. You just can't anymore, right? right. So, so yes, complicity and silence. Silence is complicity, yes. But I think it's larger, still reflective of this larger problem of like we have been conditioned and then participated in the conditioning to learn to live life without ever really acknowledging or addressing it. And that's, that's, to me, the biggest reason of all why most of us are silent. I want to add to that. It was a really good point that you just made. And, and, you know, I've had a lot of um, close white friends have asked me about, since this whole thing has been going down, about my journey as a black person and what that's been like. And they they Mm -hmm. are seemingly astonished that I've had racism in my life. They just don't seem to understand it until I've taught them, taught them some, some things about it. And uh, one thing I'm, I'm seeing is that, there, there's a transition period. So when, when someone who is, is not aware, like you're talking about the, the, the dragon, right? They're not aware of it, but their eyes are open. There are some people that immediately rush to action without thinking, without processing, mm-hmm. without asking questions, and that's destructive. It's, 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 does, it, it does a lot of harm because they're just brash. They don't process with emotion, with thought. They don't give themselves the time to actually understand what's going on. And then there are some who... We'll just kind of bury their head in the sand. They'll 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 contemplate right. too much without taking any action. So my question to you is, how, how do you, when your eyes have been open, right? When when you see what's going on, the dragon is, is real to you. How mm-hmm. do you, how do you assess that period of, how much time do I spend, educating myself, 
asking questions, learning before mm-hmm. I take action versus just rushing out there and just starting to just fight. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I promise this is not a plug. I'm just saying it because it like it's more comprehensive answer. And like the first one I did, Wide Awake, that's really the whole point of that book is once you start to awaken, uh-huh. how, yeah. how do you – how do like there are actually some pretty predictable things coming you know, in the next year or two that we can all make the same mistake of all over and over and over again or we can start learning from each other's mistakes. right? So right. I kind of build that book around seven stages that we tend to cycle through repetitively um, but really trying to get to a sustained awakened place where we're aware of it but also submitted. So um, that would be my longer answer. I, I think the short answer is if Michael if we can come back to the other one we were talking about like the two poles of like inactivity is not an option but also neither is unguided action right? right so what you're describing there feels like that second one right of like that I do see that it's like we, we move from one dangerous extreme to the other of like a disconnection and apathy to yeah um, um, half blind still but start swinging our sword around like we're gonna fix this thing right and like mm-hmm. and like and it, you know cut as many new things open as you are trying to think you know go against the dragon right so again that the answer can't ever be immobility or apathy but i do think that's it's really the bottom line i think it's another part of the white psychology um we're not used to not being in control like we're not used to being the ones who aren't the leaders mm-hmm. of everything and so um, that, that is my point. Like we've already kind of discussed the fact that there's a multiplicity of perspectives. And so it's not always the easiest thing to navigate, but I still think that's the bottom line is there are folks who are practiced and seasoned and credible at fighting against this. And we should join their ranks, not kind of set out to do our own thing. Absolutely. And so if we join their ranks and, and, and hold ourselves accountable to them, there's, there's just safety in that. It's a, it's a measure kind of thing. So they are not inactive, like you're signing up, but you're signing up with somebody else's coalition, right? That's already right. learned a lot of these mistakes and understands which part of the dragon they're attacking, right? And can help you, you know, organize yourself in such a way to participate in that particular aspect of the fight. And so, I mean, that would be my fast answer to it is we just, we just shouldn't be, we should be active, but we shouldn't be the ones leading it. So in, in that same vein of like, I'm realizing this elephant that has, has since become a dragon, uh, <laughs> it has been in this room with me all along. What is it? A transformer? Um, yes, it, it is. It, it is. It's a, it's a Dementor. Um, <laughs> wait, it was an elephant. Then it was a dragon house. Dementor. Dementor. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so my, my, my first question was, is silence a privilege? Is silence complicity? Um, and, and then it was, are all white people racist? And I think that's the wrong question, but I want to hear you answer it because I, because th- somebody at home may be asking that same question. Well, yeah. So, so part of part of the pause in that is that assumes that we understand what racism is, right? And when we yeah. say so, I think we have to define what is racism, yeah, right. and then really we can answer yes. <laughs> um, so, I, I think typically most of us, another kind of cultural condition thing, most of us who are white have kind of been taught that racism is mostly a an individual act. That like a person like so let's just talk to me daniel racism is something daniel would do that's the yeah. first part and secondly it's kind of measured in terms of good and bad right so racism would be me daniel doing something bad towards a person of color something hugely bad like joining the kkk something medium bad like discriminating against them in the workplace something small bad like telling an inappropriate <laughs> joke but it's me daniel as an individual doing something bad that's how most of us think about racism now i wouldn't none of that is okay all of that does fall under the larger problem of race but racism at its core is an ideology. It's, yeah. it's a set of mm-hmm. lies yes, that is. says human value is not determined by God. It's determined by where somebody falls on the racial hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And the system of race is yep. built. It's always been the same. It has always said whiteness is what's most superior and most valuable. It has always been 
profoundly and uniquely organized against black life, where it has said black life is inferior yep. um, and dangerous to the white way of life. And then everybody else, it's not that everybody else is lost. It's just everybody else is measured according to the axis of white superiority and black inferiority. That's where this term anti-blackness comes from, right? It's, mm-hmm. uh, and so if, 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 you know, I, we just did a whole course on race, you know, in 60 seconds there. But if somebody could say, okay, that makes sense. That's what race is. Like at the heart is this ideology, this set of lies about human value. Uh, then I would actually say you can't live in this country without breathing that lie in every single day of your life. Yep. So at that level, it ain't just white. Everybody's breathing in that lie Absolutely. of white superiority, black inferiority. It's just that white people have the privilege to not really ever contend with that lie because it's not really a very dangerous lie for us, right? If the lie is you're better than everybody else, I mean, you, you don't wake up out of bed saying, I have to dismantle this lie today because it's kind of comfortable, even if you're not living into it, it's kind of <laughs> comfortable to be told that you're the one at the top of the pyramid. But right. um, when your actual livelihood is at stake, right, of course, there's just a human instinct where you're going to be much more serious about naming that lie and disassociating that lie because, Right. I mean, it's not just survival in life, which it is, but like your identity is always under self. If you're living under a lie that says I'm less than right by God's grace, you've got to figure out how to like rise above that and, and contend against that. So everybody, bottom line, everybody's breathing in the race, the lies of racism. Everybody's breathing mm-hmm. in, um, um, including every, all of us who are white. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I've been reading um, Stamp from the beginning, um, which is which is not a, not a light read. <laughs> it's. Uh, it's no. a it's a hefty read it's for sure, but, but yeah. it, it's 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 incredible. And and what I found interesting, and this leads into the next question, and kind of goes to what you're saying, is that that the the racist narrative, the white supremacy narrative, is so st- America is so steeped in it from even before there was America, we were steeped in it as America. Mm-hmm. That it even it even ha- played part in how a lot of black leaders influenced black communities and how they spoke against racism. Um, and, and you have a quote in the book that you don't have to be racist to be part of, to be, you don't have to be racist to be part of the racist system. And I think that I find what I found with any discussions on social media, which are just their, their own thing. Um, that anytime you mention the word, you say the word racism or you say, that we're part of a racist system, people immediately get defensive. Yep. Um, like, you're calling me racist. Well, sort of. <laughs> like, But I'm also calling myself that as well because I'm part of a system that is 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 built on whiteness as the goal, is the end goal of everything. Whiteness is the end goal of everything. Could, just that quote, you don't have to be racist to be part of the racist system. Could you just unpack that a little bit? Um. Yeah, I guess if, if we try to like build on some of what we've been talking about, if we kind of think of this dragon thing, kind of thing, the dragon, the elephant that turned into a dragon that turned into, what is it called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Dementor. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, like if we live, so I, I would I would say from kind of what I've learned and been tutored in that that's what's at the heart. You know, Brian Stevenson, the founder of the Equal Justice Na- uh, Initiative, which, you know, it's who the movie Just Mercy was built off of. Everybody should watch that movie. It's fantastic. I made my book. mom watch it. It was great. Yeah, so good, right? Yeah. So in his efforts to hold together all these different problematic manifestations of race that he's addressing, he try, he introduces this term, the narrative of racial hierarchy. He says, this is the most important term you can understand if you understand race, that there's this narrative that human value is tied to where they fall on the, on the, on the human high and the racial hierarchy, that slavery itself could not have existed without this narrative of racial yep. hierarchy that said black people are fundamentally inferior. And so to understand that, this narrative has never been uprooted from the soil of our country, as you were mentioning, it's been around since the very beginning. And so 
I guess to, to if you if if and it's this is this whole conversation that really introduced there. But if somebody can get there and say yes, that narrative is real, that means you can't be a school teacher without being in a school that was built on the soil of a narrative that says black students are less capable and white students yep. are most capable. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In the real estate industry, without being part of a city composition that said white neighborhoods are most valuable and where the most resources yeah. should go, black neighborhoods are the most dangerous and the most um, uh, uh, to be avoided, and unless white people deem it valuable again, which is what gentrification is, right? And yeah. like it just narrative kind of playing out over and over again, right? So you can't exist in any sector of society without participating in systems and structures that are built on the lie of the narrative racial hierarchy, which is a lot to hear if you've never thought about this before, but it's kind of a no-duh once you kind of get in and see it. And so that's why I would say, like, to not be thinking about it, to not be conscious of it, to not be participating in challenging those lies and uprooting those lies, I mean, then we're all complicit, right? Like, yeah. we're all complicit to be in these systems that continue to perpetuate that lie, and being ignorant of it is complicity, right? Because those lies move forward in an unchallenged way, and we just kind of you know, Dr. Beverly Tatum in her book, Why Do All the Black Kids Together in the Cafeteria? Mm-hmm. She calls it like one of those moving walkways at the airport, right? To be doing nothing is to be moving along with racism. Yeah. And so, really so to be doing, to be doing anything other than consistently trying to understand it and stand up against it and uproot it is to be moving along on the moving walkway. And again, I think that's true for everybody, but that's the unique challenge for white folks mm-hmm. is there's just no human motivation. If you kind of go to the most depraved place, there's no self-interest motivation to address this because the system benefits us, right? The, yeah. the, the messaging benefits us. And so that's what's unique about the white experience, not that we're more exposed to it than everybody else is, is that we can kind of choose to live in a permanent state of ignorance. If you want, mm-hmm. that's the greatest privilege we have as white people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think I've, you know, as I've read a number of books recently, you know, Michael said, you know, he's read a number of books since the George Floyd thing. Like it's sort of, I don't know what is it about that incident that sort of catapulted I know me and I know Michael and I yeah. can say Brad as well. And, and just to, into a different level of trying to understand the problem of racism and how deep it goes. The thing I didn't realize is how fucking deep it goes. Like it is, it, right. it, it literally infects every aspect of everything in this country. Yes, it does. And it, I, and I think I, there's probably part of me was like, Oh yeah, that's, I knew that. But like when you see it, firsthand and you see um you know the for instance the the white kid in kenosha wisconsin that shot that killed two people mm-hmm. literally right. walked by the police they let him walk by him with his right. arms raised they didn't arrest him now he, and he was on the run like i mean if that's a if that's a black man he's he's turned into hamburger in the streets i mean like yeah. he shot 50 times Absolutely. by 20 cops i mean like you just see that kind. I mean, and that's the in-your-face stuff. You don't, you don't just, and right. you, you miss out on the, like the, that stuff's in your face. The other stuff, like the the housing and healthcare and right. all these things that we as white people take for granted, that like oh gosh, yes. black communities can't don't t- can't take for granted because it affects them implicitly. Well, and that's why the whole I I can't breathe thing is so powerful because that's really what it is. Breathing is something you do every single day all the time it's what keeps you alive yeah and speaking to what Matt just said like you know as, as a person of color i have dealt with discrimination a lot of different mm-hmm. areas of that you know being being denied in a rental application because i was perceived as being someone to be a nuisance in the neighborhood like you know when i go to job interviews i worry about am i going to look white enough 
to make sure. Well, see, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, right. like I know, I, I agree. I know, I know. Literally, like, I know. I, I walk into the interview and I'll sit down and there'll be two, another white person right next to me, and I'll think, oh, they're going to get it. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter. How You're quali- automatically at a disadvantage. Yeah, how qualified mm-hmm. I am? Like, like I, I know traffic laws. I know what to do when I am pulled over. Probably more than any white person I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I know. When it comes down to it, that's my life at stake if yep. I do not do the exact right thing. Yeah. So it, it goes so deep. I, I do want to reference something real quick. Um, your, your chapter about slavery, just man, that that was that was that was amazing. I, I want to give a quick quote. So you say in that chapter, um, and yet the obvious fact is that most white Christians went to get, went along with slavery. There was always a remnant that stood against it, but ultimately slavery could continue to exist only because it received the mainstream support of the white Christians. Yep. Stevenson reminded us, so that, that whole passage you talked about was so interesting. And I've noticed that whenever the slavery aspect is brought into a conversation, specifically with evangelical Christians, that's a very intense ick factor. They don't want to go there. They want to talk about it. And mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, so this is coming back to Brian Stevenson again, who we were just talking about. Now, yeah, that was a group of white pastors, and it was a white pastor who specifically said that. Brian Stevenson kept talking about the the direct connection of injustice today with the legacy of slavery. And so one of the white pastors said, you know, I, I don't want to sound bad saying this, because like, I know slavery was terrible, but there's two places I get stuck. For one, it ended in 1865, right? So it was terrible. <laughs> we recognized it was terrible. It ended in 1865, right? We're in 2000, whatever it was, 15 then. Um, yeah, spoiler, it, didn't, it secondly, didn't end in 1865. <laughs> yeah. And then secondly, he said, you know, I, my, my European roots don't start until the 1920s in the United States, so I don't have any personal complicity, you know, with, you know, slaveholders or plantation owners. So why do you keep asking me as a white dad? My white church, this goes back to our earlier conversation about triumphalism. He said, my, my church, we want to be doing something now to make a difference, not continue to be kind of lamenting over the history of slavery. And so it was that point in which Brian Stevenson encouraged us to do this exercise of like, well, let's first ask, how did slavery happen in the first place, right? How did white, because we all love to talk tout how we were a Christian nation, right? So as a Christian nation, we could have stopped this thing if we wanted, right? And we didn't. So um, so there's enormous complicity, right? With the fact that it was Christians populating this country, looking for religious freedom, and then we're also doing these barbaric you know, things. Like, how was it that it happened in the first place? And so he used this ideology of the narrative of racial hierarchy. He said, the story of the narrative of racial hierarchy that white people are inherently superior, that black people are inherently inferior, was so powerful that it was bigger than the story of the Bible that said all human beings are created in the image of God and therefore bear the image and likeness of God. Mm. He said, so so for one, we just have to live in that, that that's how powerful the narrative of racial hierarchy is, that you can look at a black family that you own that's been torn apart, kids going one place, mom going another place, down to another place, and you can find a way to justify it because of this narrative of racial hierarchy. That's like the first big thing he wanted us to really wrestle with. Secondly, what he wanted to say is, yes, it did end in 1865, and that's really important. But we have to ask the question, how did that system and structure, how did it exist in the first place? It existed because the story was so deep in the soil of white superiority and black inferiority. So, yes, we knocked down the system and structure as we needed to and we need to continue to do. But if you don't uproot the narrative that allowed for it to exist in the first place, it'll just continue to evolve and, and, and reincarnate itself. You know, he yeah. asked, how many of you in here are gardeners? And, you know, some hands and Bill raised their hand. He said, you know this. What happens if you pull a weed but don't get to the root? Yeah. He said, well, mm. come back. He said, we have never gotten to the root of the narrative of racial hierarchy. Absolutely. So the, the specific system of slavery, as you guys are kind of alluding to, yes, that ended in 1865. But the narrative allowed for it didn't. And now we just have a dozen forms of it, right, where mm-hmm. it continues to perpetuate that same level of inequality. 
Yeah. So I, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, we we didn't even get to half of my questions. We got to so. barely a third of <laughs> we, your we questions. We got to a third yeah. of my questions. And we're, we're about So just for listeners at home. We're so what, about do you do, what are you doing next week? <laughs> no. <laughs> he's, he's, he's promoting a book. Um, so, well, we uh, can promote it twice on our podcast. Uh, he could. You're welcome to come back anytime. Um, so um, the... So, so just all the questions that we've had are in the first third of are based off the first third of the book for our listeners. Yeah. So go mm-hmm. you, and, and buy the book, read it. Yep. Um, you got some good stuff in there about Kirk, a story about Kirk Franklin. I've never heard. Um, you talk about how Bob Jones university was started with money from the KKK. Talk about blowing my mind. Oh my um, but, but I want to ask one more question and then I want to do lightning round questions, which are just stupid, goofy questions. Uh, we are going into an, an election year. Um, and wait, what? I, well, are we, <laughs> are we're, we? we're not going into one. We're in one already. <laughs> yeah. I was about to yeah say. Sorry. We're, we're already there. Here we are. We're, we're going into an election. Who are the candidates? We're getting ready to, <laughs> we're going to do that thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so one of the things in your book that stuck out to me was a list of, uh, racist quotes from America's founding fathers. Oh boy. Um, what should we as a nation do with this information? Does it, does it start with taking George Washington off the dollar bill? Um, what, <laughs> and I'd be hundred percent okay with that. Uh, what does the work of reconciliation on a c- country level um, look like? I really think it's, it almost sounds too simple to say this, but if, if, if you define race as being kind of operated by this narrative of racial hierarchy and you see the narrative of racial hierarchy as fundamentally a lie, then really the starting point is to expose the lies and to tell the truth. Um, if, if, if we could actually start doing that as a nation to say these lies around human value have been instrumental in kind of creating so many system structures we have and we have to tell the truth about that. That sounds so easy to do. Um, that's probably yeah. the hardest thing for us to actually do. It won't solve every single problem, but it would create a momentum that probably we would never stop from if we did it. Um, so I think exposing lies and telling the truth is not just eighth down. I mean, it's, it's probably the foundational thing that we have to learn how to do. Good. All right. Thank you so much for, for the book. Thank you for the conversation. Thanks for what you're doing. Um, yeah. Super, super. I wish important. this was a longer conversation. Yeah. Really good book. Yeah. Really, really good book. Um, and we're going to give away a copy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so do you have time for a lightning round? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Let's talk about s- stuff that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> we, like, Let's close an important conversation yes. with bullshit. With, yeah. What we do. Um, what is your beverage of choice? Whiskey. Ooh. Okay. Nice. So like whiskey or bourbon? Like a bourbon. Both? bourbon. What, yeah, do you I have like a, both, but a bourbon. Do you have a specific? You know, I, I, I wish I was fancier and got exposed to good bourbon. I mean, I, I shop at Costco, so I'm limited to uh, <laughs> in all the places your listeners are. But so the, 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 the two top choices are Maker's Mark and Bullet. So I go back and forth between Maker's Mark and Bullet. There you go. Um, what is the last album you listened to start to finish? Oh, my wife makes fun of me all the time of how limited I am in my musical tastes. Um, yeah, she, she says, um, yeah, the... And I don't mean any offense by this. I, she says it's it's either the dance music from a gay techno club or it's um, the, 
it's the kind of music that 13 year old girls would like. Like that's kind of my two genres. So the answer is Taylor Swift. <laughs> is that what the one. answer is? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. I don't want to get that specific. Uh, so <laughs> I, I mostly have playlists that have uh, compilations oh, okay. of both of those. Oh, okay. On Spotify. <laughs> Do you have a favorite work of fiction? Oh, I'm again so imbalanced. I haven't read a fiction book in probably a decade, which I don't say probably, but I haven't read fiction in so long. What is, uh, do you have a favorite TV show of all time? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit crude, but um, I would say Banshee is my favorite all-time TV show. Banshee? I've never, I've I've never, never even it. heard of it. I've, I've heard, heard of, of it. it. I've never watched it. I've what heard of it? it. It matches my ADD. That that show, from the minute it starts till it ends four seasons later, there's not a slow moment in that whole show, man. It's like, there's, uh, yeah, it just, it just, it's the pace of that thing. It's, it's, I've never watched a show where I was so into it from all the way to the beginning. Is it to streaming? All I love it. Oh uh, yeah, the all four scenes are done. It's on. I know it's on Prime. It's originally Cinemax. It's like Cinemax is one and only good show. Um, <laughs> uh, so, it didn't so, involve. Um, it didn't involve boobs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's well. right. Well, this one has a lot of boobs too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it is Cinemax, so yeah, that makes sense. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, well, we used to call Skinemax as a kid. Yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. At least the first two seasons, but it's yeah, it's original Cinemax show. I had to rent. I had to get Cinemax for a couple months to finish it up. <laughs> what is your uh, favorite Star Wars film? Uh, you know, I, I I watched all of them. I, I think I never did get past the nostalgia of the what is it, would that is that four, five, and six that are the yeah, original yeah. ones. Yep. Um, yeah. So I mean, I just I I just have such defined memories of as a kid seeing all three of those. So those will all have a special place. Yep. Return of the Jedi probably. Yeah. How do you like your coffee? Of that, culminating so much of it as a kid. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. With a bunch of in it. Bunch of cream in it. Is that what you said? Cream and milk, yeah, yeah. Nice. I, I go almost cafe con leche style. Wow, that's intense. Um, invisibility or super strength? Oh, super strength! I like to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> honesty, I sure love it. I love there that. There it is. <laughs> Such direct honesty. Look at me, people. Yeah. Um, do you believe in the multiverse? Um, I don't know what it is, so probably not. Okay. Just the idea that um, there are parallel universes that are oh, going on yeah. simultaneously as ours. I mean, it certainly seems possible. There's, there's one know. where you're actually yeah. giving an interview to a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like simultaneously right <laughs> I'd be, now. Yeah. I'd be scared to marry my, to meet my other version <laughs> of me. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, that seems totally plausible to me. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then what is the best sitcom theme song? Boy, that's a hard one. No, it's yeah. is that a no, new it's one? Not. Yeah, it's a great I throw it question. in every once in a while. What the A team? <laughs> a team solid. You can go with the Golden Girls. Full so, house. So I, I guess I can be on it. I had one that came to my mind, but it's what it was literally the whitest answer you could ever give. So I'm trying to front and come up with a better one. Oh, just say, um, oh no, just say we're here come for on it. Now. What is yeah, that? Yeah. What is I, that? I would have to say Friends is what came. Uh, oh, that's, that's the most. I'll tell you why. Whitest show. That is the most memorable. That might be the most memorable of all time, honestly. Friends. Like yeah, when you hear yeah. when you hear that song, even without the context of the show. Not Golden Girls? No. No, Friends is bigger than Golden Girls. Yeah. Now should it be is the question. No, <laughs> but, but, but it <laughs> well, totally is. But that's that's what you think of when you hear that song. Is, yeah. I heard it at work and I was like, Oh, it's Friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eh. Okay. 
I'm Walk not a big Friends guy. Right. Yeah. Great question. Okay. Um, so where can people find out information about what you're doing? Um, wh- where where are you at on social media, on the places? Yeah, so Twitter and Facebook is where I'm most active, and Facebook too, but it's my handle is Daniel Hill 1336, Daniel Hill 1336. And then the book itself has its own page through Zondervan's called whiteliesbook.com, whiteliesbook.com. Awesome. All right, we'll have those in our show notes. Thank you so much for coming this on the podcast. This was great, dude. We wish Thank we had you. more time with awesome you. Awesome discussion. Yeah, it was a joy doing this with you guys. I yep. really appreciate it. Anytime you want to come back on, just give us a <laughs> send us a message and yeah, we'll seriously. make it happen. Yep. Okay, I, I would love to do that again. All right, thanks, Daniel. Okay, blessing to you guys. Thanks. 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 Now that you've your yeah, get it. One, you can two, tell us get it. What you think? What you think? Tell us what you think. Five stars get red. They get red. But one yeah, star one. is dead. So dead. To us. <laughs> Be back. Got any five stars? Nope. Oh. Hmm. Well. From from Twitter. Twitter. Uh, Microchip implanted at egg number nine at Pastor's Podcast. Nothing makes me laugh louder than you all. Quote, it's in the Bible. Quote, David Blaine? No, Jesus Christ. And Laurel. 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 Thank you all. Uh, T.O. at Knowles underscore TK What's at Pastor's up? Podcast. You know what the pastor's version of Ben Shapiro reading the lyrics of WAP is? Dick Pounder reading koans and telling you your interpretation is wrong. Hashtag foofy that WAP. Yeah! <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Ash at Imposter Ash. So at Pastor Podcast, I listened to the last two episodes in reverse order. What a mistake! Because all I could hear during the Jason Derulo segment was hashtag Foofy that WAP with a hashtag Baby Femur. I'm glad I wasn't driving at the time. I'm an ideas man, what? Michael. I think I proved that with <laughs> Mountain. Uh, and then uh, Sarah Basinger at Sarah oh, M Basinger. What? My husband hosts it, so I'm definitely biased, but the At Pastor podcast is one of the few pods that make me laugh until I cry. Aww. Definitely long running. She does actually listen to it, and I don't like to listen to it, so <laughs> you can turn that off. Just when I'm around, just not listen to it right now. Uh, this is from August 16th. Uh, we already probably read that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's all right, it. That's yep. it. That's yep. all the feedback. All right. Um, Next. Next, next in line. Thank you, next. Where are you going? Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, we paid close attention and we wrote them all down. Now it's time some to of them down. Hashtag. Hashtag. Wrote this while I was camping. <clears throat> Hashtag. Expensive garage band. Hashtag. To do what with? Hashtag. You were Rose, weren't you? What? From Who Titanic. is that from? Oh, oh. Yeah, that was good. That was mine. I think, yeah, I think you said that <laughs> yeah, to me. Yeah. Uh, hashtag Black Brad. 
No. No, no, no. Nope. 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 No. Nope. <laughs> no. No. Stop. Uh, <laughs> hashtag a whole sensory experience. I think that's something you said, wasn't it? These are mostly these are mine. Yeah. Uh, hashtag. Is that the football guy? Hashtag. <laughs> football my, guy. Hashtag. My piping is copper. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is my winner. Hashtag. Don't fuck with an overweight black homosexual on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Don't do it. I just have two. Okay. Um, I have hashtag. What is it, a transformer? (laughs) (laughs) And hashtag sexist. Yeah. Hashtag the football guy. Uh, Hashtag kiss your lips in my dreams. Oh, God. (laughs) Hashtag banana moon pie. I love that one. Maybe we should call it the banana moon pie, so it's TM. No, no, just banana moon pie. Banana moon pie. Uh, Hashtag huge ass fan. No, no, it's a huge jazz fan. Huge jazz fan. No, don't. So H U G E A Z Z. Yeah. F A N. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, saxist. <laughs> Hashtag Matt is too. <laughs> Hashtag Matt is too gay for that shit. Yeah. Hashtag True. the tortoise and the lamb, a little known parable. <laughs> Hashtag the enormity of a blue whale. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. 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 Watching a humpback breach <laughs> <laughs> and hot sauce to the face. Ew. Watching a humpback breach. I love the word breach. That word makes me laugh no matter what. Really perfects it. Oh. I don't care. I don't either. So, Black Brad, it is then. No, no, it's definitely no, not, not that. God, no. Matt, can you just stop? Uh, no. <laughs> Inconceivable. Um Do you have a preference? My piping is copper. I like the the, the moon tin pie man. One. The moon pie banana moon pie. What was the banana? So I'm the tin man. So down for there. me it's either the moon pie one or the, 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 the don't uh fuck with the black homosexual one on Friday. Those are my two favorite ones. Obviously. What was the moon pie one? Just banana moon pie. <laughs> I think that's the best one. It has a what ring did you to say? it. I'm the tin man down I'm there. I'm the tin man down there. <laughs> that's good, actually. I am the tin man. There's no reality. <laughs> okay, it's I'm the tin man no, down there. No, I want to do yeah. banana moon pie. Banana moon pie? Uh, what do you, I, I like it. All right, let's do banana moon pie. <laughs> it has a ring to it. It has like a nice... <laughs> It is a sex move if it's not. Somebody needs to Does it look not that sound up. like a sex move? It sounds like a sex I've move. I've done it twice. <laughs> Again, how are you married? How? Because I do the banana, how does someone because I do the banana moon pie. <laughs> Have you ever seen like a banana that's just sat in the grocery store for too long and is spotted? Yes, and I see it in the mirror every morning. and bruised and disgusting and mushy. Yes. And when you hold I it. I see it, it in the morning like... every mirror. <laughs> or in the, mor- the mirror every morning. <laughs> If you've hit us, God, if you've listened in to this, this podcast, episode in its entirety, hit us up on social media with <laughs> the hashtag, hashtag banana <laughs> moon pie or hashtag all mushy and yellow. Uh, hashtag banana moon off. pie. Uh, we are on Twitter at Pastors Podcast. <laughs> Polly named Matt. Uh, that's uh, uh, month 2037. 
Twitter at MJ Basinger. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to win a, a copy of Daniel Hill's book, twitter.com slash podcast. Retweet that shit. Tweet it. Follow us so we can know where you live. Um, so we can spam you. Yeah. No, we won't spam We don't have a mailing list yet. <laughs> We're going to send out Christmas cards with penises in them. Like penis candelabra. Like a Hanukkah candle, but with penises. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. Twelve days. Oh, a Pinonica candle. Don't do that to the Jewish community. Don't Twelve do that days. A Pinonica candle. No, it's not. No, it's eight days. days. It's eight days. <laughs> Ocho days of dicks. <laughs> Can we change the hashtag? It's too late. I want to yeah, go it's home. Too late. So bad. Ocho it's days of dicks. I just want to go home. Michael, this that every is week. literally every week. Yeah. For 224 episodes, <laughs> yeah. I just want to go home, and I am home right now. Yeah. I just want to go to bed. God damn it. Death sounds great right now. <laughs> <laughs> if heaven is home, I want to go there right the fuck now. God damn I, it. I hate you so much. Right, I'm goodbye. so tired. I want to go home. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>